The Unnamed Footage Festival is currently looking for films made by anyone, anytime. There are no limits regarding completion date or release status. You've heard Nick Nordlinger speak passionately about the value of the big screen experience, and mm mmm, that must make a filmmaker hungry to see their work splashed up all large and in charge. So if you have a found footage, uh, screen life, POV uh, film that you just want to, you want people to look at, uh, five submissions are open. To submit your film or to learn more about UF and its various deadlines, go to filmfreeway.com slash unnamed footage festival. Welcome to episode 296 of the Overlook Hour. I am your guest host, Charlie Dickey. With me today, people try to figure him out, but he's one of a kind. It's Lord Battle. What up? Uh, not much, man. How'd you like your Real Housewives tagline intro? Oh, I, I didn't recall it. I couldn't catch that. That's that's good. They're not supposed to be that obvious <laughs> that they're Real Housewives taglines. <laughs> you, you literally warned me about that, and I... Yeah. Throw her to the wolves, <laughs> and she shall return, leading the pack. It's Oksana Osachi. Hell yeah, I love that. <laughs> also, hi. Which part? Hey. That he said your name correctly, or the the intro? <laughs> Both. It's it's a delightful one. And last but not least, he dresses like there's no tomorrow, and then tomorrow he does it again. It's Randy Stat. <laughs> Hell yeah, I have been known to wear the same shirt multiple days in a row. <laughs> and that's how I would dress if there were no tomorrow, lazily. Also, have you seen SLC? I hear the uh, the Salt Lake City season of this show is insane. So the Salt Lake City one, yeah. Season two is supposed to kick off with absolute um, like banger episodes. I have not. I've only seen the, f- the pilot uh, for Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Uh, okay. I don't watch it, but I hear the feds are involved in this yes, season. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's Homeland Security, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's. I mean, go to go to Hulu, check it out, everyone. Yeah, Randy totally doesn't watch that show. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> okay, today on the Overlook Hour, uh, uh, have you ever been to the beach? Well, maybe it's fucked up there. <laughs> also, uh, have you ever listened to music? Maybe, maybe there's a movie about that. And also, uh, found footage horror. Have you ever seen one of those? We have. <laughs> All that and more today on the Overlook Hour. Clark will be back next week. I swear. I swear he'll be back next week. <laughs> it won't be another person that you're unfamiliar with coming in here and, and giving you an unfamiliar energy. Uh, he'll be back in the cozy confines of a Clark Little hosted podcast soon. We, we can get through this together. Um, I just want to shout out uh, Terrell and um, Nick. Who, have, who like swept in and did awesome jobs providing like really unique, good um, energy to the show. And I am here to kind of crash the podcast back down to earth <laughs> so that Clark can return and, and make it a good show again. But right now things have to take a dive. Um, that's just, that's just where we're at. Uh, so if you, if you like uh, that kind of idea, continue listening. And if you don't like that kind of idea, uh, you know, next Tuesday is looking pretty good. Um, 
Clark, Oksana, I want to know how many people turned down the hosting gig uh, before you had to come crawling to a, a cagey little snake person like me to come in here and sabotage your program. You just call me Clark. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not looking up, and so I'm assuming that Clark is in the room. I'm used to talking to him. Um, Clarky. How many, you know, nobody turned. Sorry, Lord Battle. You know, honestly, we got our top three, and uh, we really. In order from three to one, <laughs> coming in at number three at the bronze medalist, the least desired. Just kidding, just kidding. No, no. And honestly, I got a couple DMs yeah. where people are like, dude, you're really getting Jim Cummings? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've listened to the, the one right before where we announced this. I tease that. Yeah. I don't know if people are disappointed or not, but no, Look, no Jim. <laughs> I, I saw the tweets, and so I know that. I don't like, is this public that Jeremy Renner turned you down? It, it's true. Wow. I wish he had an app for like all of his updates. I wish he, I wish he hadn't cowardly deleted his app just because people kept posting cool shit in it all the time. <laughs> Wait, what the hell are you all talking about? What was, what, what was Renner doing? Jeremy Renner like made his own app so that everybody could talk about Jeremy Renner. But then people just like started you know, their usernames would be also Jeremy Renner and they would post about like how much they love shitting and pissing and jerking off and shit. And so he was having trouble with kind of getting trolled into oblivion. And so he deleted the Jeremy Renner app. I think it was also like a paid app. Like if you wanted to like do stuff in it, you had to pay Jeremy Renner. Wait, what? About him on his own app, which is, uh, it's, that's cool. And also Jeremy Renner is exactly the kind of charismatic public figure that people are super passionate about. So I can understand why he thought it was not a bad idea. Is this the guy who played Hawkeye? Yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, I think preferred him as the guy who played not Jason Bourne, right? Or <laughs> <laughs> I liked him in Hansel and Gretel. Witch Hunters, right? Yep. Yeah. He was Hansel. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> he was also on Hot Ones the past week. Oh my god. How did god. that go? How did that go for him? Uh it was okay. He was he, he's all right. He did there was a lot of uh talk about Sounds Modesto, like California. For him. <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to cover up a bad hot ones performance. <laughs> I, I don't know. He wasn't my favorite. Modesto chat. You know how much we love Modesto, which has the best arch in California. It's practically our St. Louis. I don't remember the arch, but I have spent many hours in Modesto, California. Wait, uh, my condolences. What? <laughs> Why? My cousin and uncle are out there. Oh, Oksana's sister lives out there. And I complain every time we drive out there. <laughs> One of them is technically in Salida, but close enough. Oh, yeah, I think she used to live there. Well, didn't our national treasure come out of Modesto? Uh, Lucas? Jeremy Renner. Uh, Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Lucas also, I don't know if he's from there, but he based uh, American Graffiti off of like, Driving cars in Modesto, apparently. Hey, you just have a plethora of Modesto knowledge, dude. I do. Yeah, that's actually the only thing that I know about. The, de- the details he kept were like cars, though. Like the only thing that transposed was just like, yeah, it's a place where you can drive cars, which is a lot of places, really. <laughs> let's uh, let let let's kick things off. Let's let's reach out into the ether and see if we can contact any um, fancy filmmakers. I'm going to be talking into the different areas of the microphone like this to see if I can sabotage my own audio. Wait, are you trying to start the show officially? Now, I don't know if you wanted to talk about it, but you brought in a book with you. No, I didn't. You didn't? Oh, wait. oh, that book. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Now, 
I only mention it because you like when I was in Seattle mm-hmm. and y'all called me. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was at the uh, Dungeon was Synth on... Festival. You were in here with Clark and uh, vaguely, yeah, 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 yeah. You brought in that book, The Skeleton Takes a Bow. Yes, I finished yeah. it. Excellent. What do you think of Skeleton Takes a Bow? Now, okay. So before I get into that, you brought in a book called A Poor I Know A Poor Way to Die, which is punful, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks like a novel that you would buy off of Amazon Prime, where there's a market for weird niche things. Mm-hmm. Now I have a completely different respect for these books. Yes, Skeleton Takes a Bow was yeah. oh, a book two in a series of eight, I think, or seven. It sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I read it for a bit, mm-hmm. and I was like, the whole thing. I'm just going to come on here and talk about how weird it was. No, it's pro. It's pro stuff. It was fucking good yeah it was it was really good these, these others for the most part know how to kind of just guide you through a, a, a novel length story like and give their little hobbyist details in there and stuff how nerdy was the skeleton and takes a bow because in the one i read which is i read the first one only that skeleton was pretty nerdy uh, i don't know you know here's the thing you would think that like these books would be written by somebody who i have a feeling you're trying to dance around the subject here no um, no let's get- <laughs> <laughs> just give me just give me a number between one and 70 oh dude he, okay one in 70 um 69 nice, nice. dude uh i'll tell you so the skeleton they actually detail like the the rules of his life in there a little bit yeah like they explore it like does he have a soul or a brain and Correct, he doesn't yeah. have a brain and like what is look. he able to control when he kind of disassembles exactly yeah. they actually work on that it's a plot device now the one thing i've so i started reading this year like I'm trying. I'm trying to hit 20. I'm at 16, even though I did 18. And Goodreads is not acknowledging two of the books. I don't know why. You, yeah, you got to let go of Goodreads' standards. Then, if they're not, <laughs> if, if, if if they're not able to kind of recognize what you're doing, you got to just like kind of move beyond it. I'm 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 a similar way with Letterboxd right now, oh. where there are films that I've seen that I know I have seen, but do not exist on Letterboxd, and it won't let me add it to the database. And so I'm saying, well, then no. How, no, how, wait, no. And I wag my finger at that website. How do you add a film to Letterbox? I think you hit add, and then you have to, <laughs> you have to like link. I think to because not all of like the I don't know if they're working a hundred percent hand in hand with IMDb or the various database services, but there 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 are methods that users can submit the existence of a film for them to add to it. Oh, okay. Yeah, there has to be because yeah, a lot of the weird it's not shit. That hard. I think I've done it before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone added the censored version of Charlotte's Net to Letterbox specifically. Ooh, we showed yeah. it. So good. here's the thing. Yeah, people are doing that. It can't be too hard. I don't I, but, know if you have to have a paid account or something. Oh, that, that might be, be it. I don't have a paid account. Oh. I, I doubt it. I don't see the benefit for having a paid account there. I've seen the benefits listed on the <laughs> website, <laughs> but I don't. I don't. I don't buy what they're selling, literally and figuratively. Dude, I guess I'm, I don't. I'm there with you. Anyway, I, you know the book. It was, dude. It was really good. And honestly, uh-huh. I, you know, I like to pay attention to how stories are told with the visual medium. Yeah. And I feel like out of everything I've read so far. I learned the most from that book. That's. I think the. I think probably the skeleton mysteries have the most to teach us out of, <laughs> out of most, if not all books. I, I, I went back and I did re-listen to the way I talked about the cozy skeleton mysteries last time I was on this program. And I want to apologize for the snarky and dismissive tone that I took toward like Lee Perry's work and, and Lee Perry as an author. Um, that, that was like, I was trying to be tongue in cheek 
but eye rolls do not translate over <laughs> podcasts and neither do you like the warmth in my soul that I feel for um, Lee Perry's creation, who I, who I think is like genuinely one of the more funny and creative uh, cozy mystery authors uh, currently working. I, you know, I second that I completely, after finishing that book, I'm like, Oh, is this why people read like teen mysteries? Cause mm-hmm. it's like fucking good. Yeah. 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 The mystery worked for me. All the characters were interesting. There were like 18 callbacks in that story. And I, after the first one, I was surprised every time yeah. I'm like, Oh, they set this up. I don't, I non-ironically, I considered getting the rest of the books. You, you should probably check out all of them so that I can borrow the Christmas one. Dude, just the interaction. Like, and of course it wouldn't be a, a Charlie recommend without mm. the, the hallmark of having an animal. Uh, yeah. 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 And the skeletons interaction with the, ha- the family dog. It's just so charming. Oh, and I, it's not an adjective I would use. And I'm not using this ironically. I'm telling, I <laughs> He's am not. totally serious. Oh, yeah, there's a joy on your face. I love it. I, when I finished the book, yeah. I was like, I went on there and I, I went into Amazon. I'm like, yeah. am I going to, am I going to buy the next one? And I was like, honestly, I want to know where the skeleton came from. So I kind of want to go. No, you read the first one, right? From a human body, man. I know. But <laughs> so there's a vague reference where she mentions that she might've been getting mugged. And then there was like mm-hmm. a dead body and the skeleton came up and protected her. <laughs> now I don't know if I'm projecting and connecting dots uh, that aren't there, but gosh, you know, it's, it's been a few waves of memory <laughs> loss since I've, since I read the first book. Um, and I don't specifically remember if I don't think it was, a, I think it was, uh, it was definitely some sort of like conflict that the skeleton came and protected her. But I think one, I want to say that it was like during her childhood or adolescence or something. Weird. I don't know. I don't know if it was a mugging. Um, I'll have to go back and, and, and reexamine the text. So what do you, do you think that's like a, a representation or like a metaphor for her, like her father? Or I think something? it's a metaphor for having a cool fucking skeleton <laughs> buddy who rattles around and does silly things and skitters and uh, I don't know, man. All right. Well, I guess since you brought a book, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, you're challenging me. And I just wanted to throw down the gauntlet and be like, I'm up for it. So if you're going to make me read A Poor Way to Die, D-Y-E, with a uh, bar of soap that has a dagger sticking out of it, or not, perhaps a dirt. I'm not Jigsaw. I'm not here to make you do anything. <laughs> I am providing you with, I'm like a passive Jigsaw. I have like, I set up a trap like in the yard across the street, and I'm just kind of like standing on that side of the street, just kind of like <laughs> raising my eyebrows at you, being like, ah, doesn't this look challenging? Oh, look at how many blades there are. Oh, well, they're spinning them. They could be right at neck level. I'm, I'm crossing the street. I'm oh, up for the ooh. challenge. Yeah, I'm, I have my little uh, assistant with the pig mask and shit, and we're both <laughs> going like we have like the signs that we're waving, dude. <laughs> like mattress sales. Don't make fun of fucking saw in here. Clark what? will he'll come for you. You oh, know that's uh, his favorite franchise. I did not know. I, I I made fun of saw on the program before, and I'll do so again. This All is right. also the second book in a in a series of soap making. It's part. Oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> mo, 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 most of them, because yeah, if you're if you if you have a niche hobby mystery, and one of them succeeds, and you've done either a bunch of research or you have a decent passion for said hobby, the fact that you're including what three to eight pages of hobby tips in each book, you know, yeah, you, you want to spread out all of your tips and or your recipes. Um, and you know, and you want the characters to live, learn, laugh, love, and grow. 
Charlie, you're a goddamn enigma, and I can never read you. I can never tell. Like right now, I'm like, should I have a notepad and learn how to make this soap is, reading this book? This is one of the things that I've learned from Real Housewives of Potomac: <laughs> is the skill of being unreadable, um, and also very sneaky and observant myself. Shout out to you, Karen Uger. <laughs> that one's for you, Terrell. You have a perpetual poker face. All right, now. I uh I have a couple plugs I need to do. I this time I made an extra note and I'm going to run through these really quick. Okay. Um we mentioned Charlotte's net edited version that got added to Letterbox recently. <laughs> I don't know if there are any available still, but there is if you go to what Filth Video, Google Filth Video, Charlotte's net. No thanks. And uh there are 50 DVDs of the unedited raw brutal charlotte's net so if you listen to the show and you were intrigued i'm pretty sure they ship globally so uh get it before the fbi shuts down that website um it's toxic filth video toxic filth video um also uh about two years ago we me and oksana contributed essays to a book it came out a while ago also <laughs> i think one of our earliest guests was the author who uh put it together um so Vanessa Morgan has a new book out, Evil Seeds, The Ultimate Movie Guide to Villainous Children. Uh, in this book, I wrote an essay on um, the tragically underseen movie, Brightburn, whom I, I fucking love that movie. And Oksana wrote about... Sinister. Sinister. So, uh, yeah, you can tell our taste right there. <laughs> um, that I think that book's still available. You go on Amazon Prime, you can find it. Yeah. Um, our buddy, Robbie Smith, who uh, did the merch that is still up. You know, honestly, when this episode airs, no, next time, when Clark's on here next week again, it'll be down. I promise you, I'm taking them down. So you got one more week. I hope you're getting anxiety right now and you're just dying for it. And again, remember, it may never come up. We may never have merch again. You see how much trouble it's bringing us this time. Anyway, Robbie's got an Indiegogo right now for uh, a feature film he's making called Grieve. Jump on there. He's got good perks. Uh, we definitely need to get on there and throw him some money, too. I'm talking to Oksana here, not Charlie. Is that easy to find? If I go to my DuckDuckGo and I just type in <laughs> and I type in Robbie Smith grieve, as in, you know, like grieving for a, a lost one. Yeah, uh, it'll 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 pop up just like that. Or do we have is there like a specific URL? So I just how, how do I find this and how do I donate to Robbie Smith, a fantastic filmmaker? I looked up Robbie Smith, Indiegogo, Grieve, and it's the first one. Love it. Okay, but you didn't do that on DuckDuckGo, which is clearly Charlie's. You know, we had a... uh, It's the most bird-themed and privacy-oriented search engine. Oh, dude. Perfect. Slash browser or whatever it is. Uh, (laughs) Search Robbie Smith. That's Robbie with an I-E. Yep. Grieve with a G. (laughs) Indiegogo with a couple of I's. Did it work? No, <laughs> <laughs> you're on. You're on DuckDuckGo. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I mean, yeah, it showed up in the YouTube results. I think it shows. It has his pitch. Okay, there he is. He's in the woods, looking cute. Here's here's my yeah. new my new favorite bit where I plead with Oksana, please put the link up on Twitter or throw it up on Instagram. This normally goes terribly, and we don't do it until the day the episode goes up, and then I text her. And I'm like, <laughs> Hey, did you put that on Twitter? And she's like, Uh, yeah, right now. Actually, Randy, can you do me a favor? Can you please tweet out a link to his Indiegogo? I can do it. 
Yeah, I can also do it though. No, I also need to give money still too. So that'll, yeah. I'll do two birds, one stone. And I jumped the gun. I, if you follow this show and actually pay attention every week, which I don't blame you if you don't, uh, I believe like five episodes ago, I said he won $25,000. He actually just made it to the final round and didn't get that money. So, yeah. so we're going to give it to him. Um, yeah, show your support. He's great. Uh, also last thing, another hole in the head is coming up. So if you're in the Bay area, go check out the only fucking horror film fest in, in the, in our little pocket where we have a million film fest, but none of them are a genre as this. Also, one of my favorite guests on the show, Jorge Torres Torres shadow bride of shadow zombies premiering there. I believe it's Friday, the 10th, the 10th. So we're going out. Well, we got a show out for that movie. Um, I couldn't be more excited. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's at the New People Cinema, which is Japantown's hidden Dolby Underground Theater, which they're trying to sell the venue. So it might be gone. This might be the like kind of last time to go hang out in what is one of the cooler hidden theaters out here. So if you're going to do it, do it for a bride, of shadow zombie. He's super like, dude, people should know Jorge Torres Torres and they don't. So I don't know. Be one of the cool people that's in there riding the wave early. Um, and I, I think that's it. Oxana, you got anything? No. Any other plugs? Charlie, you want to plug anything? Uh, you got your own app out. I do. I do. I have several plugs, uh, oh. <laughs> which I'll leave for later. Okay, cool. Randy, you got anything? Uh, I don't, I guess the only thing I could say, which is in the show notes every week, but, um, the song at the top of, uh, this episode and Thursday episodes is me now. What? Oh my God. Randy. That's amazing. What's it? What's the title of the song? <laughs> I don't think they have titles. I just randomly <laughs> will, um, write stuff at my computer some days and then no, I'll save it and then it, not do nothing song. with it. It's not a song unless it has a title. Randy, what's put a title. Stop being cagey. Uh, Charlie the Birdman has a nice day. Okay, is the okay. the song title? All right, fuck now you, fuck you too. Man. You you better title it that and make it downloadable so I can make it my ringtone and really just live with the show forever. Yeah, it's not a song unless it's a ringtone. <laughs> this is true. I, I need to make uh, ringtones and I need to uh, make another sound SoundCloud page, Bandcamp page. Yeah, yeah, both, dude. If you're a real artist. Um, actually, you know, Bandcamp's kind of tricky because you you can have that free play and then mm. you play it five times. It's like, and then it starts guilting you. Oh. It's like you've done this too much. I think you need to donate. Ooh, and uh, <laughs> I I think I have. I don't know. It usually works. Anyway, our guest is getting uh tiresome, so uh, let's bring him on in. Good morning. It's December five, two thousand twenty one. And it's a Sunday, day two of weekend projects. And I hope that all of us uh, will enjoy and are enjoying. Clark played Charlie. No, no. Charlie's playing Clark. Everyone. Have a great day. All right, all right, dude. We're gonna fire him. I, you know, did that freak you out too? He's off the yeah, rails. That me out, man. <laughs> Why? Who was that? You okay? So you think he shows up and he doesn't? Oh, first off, how dare you? That's the director of 
Elephant Man, Scorsese, Eraserhead, Dune. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. No, I, I he's been coming, he's been showing up, flying out from L.A. for for months now. Mm-hmm. Every time I intro him or talk about him, those yeah. are the only movies I can remember. He did Twin Peaks, Inland, Fire Walk Inland, with me. Inland Empire just got a page on, I think it was a Janus Films. One of the Criterion Associated things is putting up Inland Empire stuff. So finally, everyone's going to be able to get an ultra HD uh, copy <laughs> of Inland Empire. <laughs> famous, famously uh, high definition style film. Dude, high definition lovers. Whenever I think <laughs> I, of, I can't wait. Whenever I think of Inland Empire, I there's always an image I get of mm. behind the scenes where he's on his knees painting a hallway black, Ooh. like just a little corner. <laughs> and yeah, you're totally right. That mini DV is just going to look crystal clear on, yeah. the, on that 4K release. <laughs> Man, he should do like a like a Bob Ross style show for just like uh, however he directs films. I mean, he paints too, so he should just do a Bob Ross style show. Well, I mean, so on YouTube, his daily things, they yeah. feel a little Bob Rossi. That's true. They, they do have that kind of vibe. Have it. you ever checked him out? Yeah. Occasionally. Or does he still do the number pulling? He does that too. I have, I have some friends who like will get really up in, up in their, um, like not anxiety, but their anticipation about the number thing. And they'll predict the number. And if they're right, they feel really good. Oh, I hadn't thought of that because I, a long time ago we played a song somebody had made from all the number pulls he did. And I've seen people kind of attribute them into other kind of like, I don't know, a solution for a puzzle that they had to create. Yeah. But just predicting the number. Yeah. That seems like a pretty easy, fun. It's a pretty casual way to interact with it. Yeah. Yeah, he he does those videos and then he flies out here every every uh week. <laughs> Seems like a waste of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a goddamn honor. Okay. I'm gonna pass this uh URL note to to Oksana so that you can get that um prepared. <laughs> um, so it's that's dot htm at the end, and if you can just get to the third paragraph in that piece of writing, that'll help us out in a couple hours. Thank you. Oh Sorry. <laughs> So I'm th- I, this is like I'm this is my first time guest hosting any sort of podcast and it's interesting that there's it's not just like a captain's chair here I also have like uh Lord Battle is like Riker and then like <laughs> Oksana is like both Jordy and Data like simultaneously which is a lot of work and then uh Randy um is also like Jordy and Data too. I was gonna <laughs> you guys say. are both doing a lot of stuff. You guys are both doing all the stuff that involves pushing buttons and knowing telemetries and shit. And then uh, Riker over here just having like hot facial hair and oh, like, well, thank you, <laughs> and like bantering um, with me. And then I'm over here. Um, what is what does Picard do? He looks at. He has that one holodeck where it's like the Christmas time, and he's just sad that he doesn't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the holodeck. That was, the, that was one of the movies. That was one of the movies. It's the best um, one. I when when you mentioned Oksana being part data, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm looking at Randy right now. Or is he yeah. more like an Odo? What was an Odo? Is he a Ferengi? Odo is a changeling, and that's I was going, I was pretty much trying to stick to next generation. I wasn't gonna get into oh, Deep dude, Space. I'm nine. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I broke the format. That's okay. I know Deep Space Nine probably a lot. I think a lot yeah. Better? Yeah, watch God, deep. It all kind of blends together, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
Dude, Deep Space Nine's tight, though. They're on a space station. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. Deep Space Nine is probably my preferred of the two series, uh, just because it's like, oh, what if uh, Casablanca were like a sci-fi comedy of the week thing? Like, it's, it's Did a, they it's do a, a Casablanca parody? I mean, the whole fucking show is... I, I think of, like, Quark's Bar as just kind of like Rick's. <laughs> no, I, right when you said that, that's what I was thinking. Right. And I'm like, he The rest could, of it just kind of falls in. But they... I mean, they're kind of, like, meshing of, like, hard sci-fi and uh, highbrow art mm-hmm. is pretty uh, oh, no, tactical. Yeah, no, yeah. It's good stuff. They did called Profit and Loss. Ooh. Is that the episode? I don't know. What? Can we get episode a, 18. Can we get like a little, is there like a little, like, you know, the two cents little TV guide preview tagline or IMDb episode? Yeah, you got a synopsis on there? Uh, Quark's one true love flees to the station with two of her students, members of the Cardassian underground being sold by the military. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Sought by the military. By oh, the, military. the Cardassians, highly probably, sought by the military. Probably getting hunted <laughs> down by the... Oh, God. Oh, it's been so long. I've, I've watched so many seasons of Real Housewives of Potomac <laughs> in between the last time I saw uh, Deep Space Nine. Which Star Trek what also was, parodied. What was, what was Garrick's uh, organization? Remember Garrick? Everyone loved Garrick. I do not remember Everyone's the name. Everyone's favorite... Garrick, he was he's like a cagey guy. He's like, oh, I'm I'm just a tailor. I'm not a super spy. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking kiss this doctor right now, and we're gonna be little kissy buddies. Remember? I'm, I'm trying to Google him so I remember can remember. Garrick? Nope, no Garrick. Next up on the Garrick Hour, <laughs> we'll be talking about the uh, book that Garrick's actor wrote, which is like a journal from the perspective of Garrick, and also. Uh, we'll be throwing the craters of Deep Space Nine under the bus for refusing to let Derek and the go- Doctor be as much lovers as both actors wanted them to be. Really? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you just blew my mind. Also, I googled uh, Garrick. I remember he's yeah. a shifty motherfucker. Oh yeah, he's always just like, oh, oh, there may be a bomb on board, but I who would know that? I just make <laughs> I just make clothes. I wouldn't know anything about that. Oh. Dude, let's do a Trekkie Talk podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, it could be a deep dive nine. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I like that. That's 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 middle of the road podcast titling right there. Oh yeah. Those those suckers they'll they'll eat it right up. Those disgusting <laughs> hogs. <laughs> you know, honestly, whenever I imagine making a dumb podcast, I always imagine making a worse commercial. Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, it's Trekkie Talk. If you want to get in here and talk about Ferengis, oh, like the like the like that would appear on another yeah. similarly oriented yep. podcast. Oh, like a good. podcast that's yeah. actually doing good and has commercials. Yeah, you should do the instead of like a found footage movie you should just do like a found audio um, <laughs> like, like podcast just like bad bad commercials and i have uh, and shit. i've definitely tried to get clark on board to do that oh uh, shit well hey uh you know let's you know let's just scrap the rest of the hour toss <laughs> away my notes let's really get into it and organize for him to come back to a fully scripted bad uh podcast hour and he has to stick to the script there's no deviating from it we're going to be real sticklers about it Whenever he deviates, we're going to get really offended and we're just going to yell at him. Oh, we're dude. Make him feel bad. <laughs> Every time he's done a script, uh, he does. Ooh, the energy is very different in the room. <laughs> I, I bet he loves it. Um, so what, what's jump scares? We all love jump scares. I think they're pretty much every horror fan's favorite part of watching a movie is waiting for those cool jump scares to just jump out at you and scare you. 
But sometimes the jump scares don't even have a scary thing. Sometimes it's a normal thing like, oh, your friend was just around the corner and they were very exuberantly offering you a pizza or a knife and they didn't know that you were like looking to be scared or whatever. Or sometimes there's a cat that the character didn't see or sometimes it's a ringtone. We need to come up with some like what are our favorite and least favorite jump scare fake out results? Oh, you want a real one? I want to. I want real. Okay. Like genuinely, like if there's a jump scare and it's a fake out, so no, no actual so, scary shit. Cool. Um, fake outs. So my favorite uh, trope of horror films you nailed, which is the cat running out of a closet, where you have like you know the 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 wife is home alone and she's looking around. She heard a noise and then she's yeah. like, "Who's at the door?" And there's nobody. And she turns around the closet, shoots yeah. up, and the cat goes meow. That's right, the, like that's pretty much how the film Alien is structured, or pretty much around Ripley looking for um, not Orangey, uh, jo- Jonesy, <laughs> Jonesy. <laughs> no, and you know what? A movie I just watched and I gushed about on the show, the the Deep House. They have a yeah. CGI fish jump scare <laughs> that is that is uh, taking over the trope of the cat. It shoots out, and it, it's the it's funny because it's the most. <laughs> jarring it's like wait cgi fish you haven't done that at all this whole movie and then it goes like like, you know it you get one of these it's like oh the fish that's that's my favorite uh bad ben pull i was already way on board to check out deep house that um i watched like more movies that i'm going to talk about today in preparation to guest host because i was nervous about not watching movies and only watching Real Housewives <laughs> for the past few weeks. And, uh, not not taking notes at this time. Um, but one of the movies that I had on the list to watch that I didn't get around to was Deep House. Uh-huh. Just because it, it looked cool and wet. And this cemented the idea that I'm going to actually pay money to rent it now instead of doing what i would normally do which is wait however long it took for it to show up for me to not have to pay for something which is how i do everything else dude i think you'll dig it like it like so- it sounds like it if there's a fish fake out jump scare well he, oh my he, god he, you know i'm gonna go a little bit behind the curtain so mm-hmm. uh charlie and oksana and randy can't hear me i'm talking to the audience now uh every now and then i'll be able to corner charlie in the lobby of the balboa or something and i'll get him not and frequently when this fool goes deep into a film like theory. Oh my God. Revelations every damn time. I remember, um, I showed boots on the ground at unnamed footage festival. Year one. Yeah. 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 Opened with it. Yeah. I've only gotten shit for showing that movie yet. I stand by it. I'm like, you know, I love exploring abandoned buildings with flashlights, directional yeah, that, lighting. That was what you had spoken about extensively was this idea of the hall, the flashlight going down the, the hallway that recedes into an abyss. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like that's a hallmark, like a pivotal trope of, uh, the voyeurism that is, you know, found footage but you came at me with this idea that it's the only found footage film you had seen that's all a lie like it's invasive um documentary footage but it's all taking place in a reality that never was because we're kind of doing a purgatory thing. yeah i was kind of a dumbass back then and actually all <laughs> all, all all visible imagery is an intervention and not like genuine reality anytime that you're dealing with fo- I watched half of 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 the new um who's the guy that made rat movie or rat film Randy Randy rat film Randy I don't know is that Morgan Spurlock Damn it no 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 um it's, it's it, he has a new doc on Hulu called uh Light All Light 
everywhere. Uh, oh, yeah. I've heard that's good. Yeah. Oh, that movie is that movie that I constantly talked to. Wait, no, it's not. Okay, go ahead, Randy. <laughs> I'm totally oh, no, wrong. So, sorry. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to steer us all the way back to, um, to, to, to Boots on the Ground just a second here. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm feeling less certain about, um, about any sort of relationship between the, the visible and, and the real right now. So the only, the only, I thank you for recalling that. And oh, Boots yeah. on the Ground was awesome programming. But when my previous self had said, oh, that's the only found footage movie that I've seen that does X, Y, and Z. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to see X, Y, and Z and other found footage movies. Um, shout out to Nick Nordlinger who, who put it out really wisely last week. Um, that, that the, you know, the scene is the meaning making process um, here. Uh, and I was paraphrasing, so I'm not sure if you said it was the only one. Okay. I'm used I, to lying you for might dramatic. Re- effect. Okay. You might remember it better <laughs> than me. Yeah. Oh, I, d- I definitely remember because I was like, see, that's what I want. That's why I like Film Fest because you get the quiet people who aren't like, you know, very, they're not going to post about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll write about it, but they will never tell you it got yeah, published. Yeah, yeah. But they'll, you know, you catch them in the corner at the, you put a knife to their throat and they're like, hey, you know, I really mm-hmm. like that movie. <laughs> oh, uh, also, um, apologies for uh, my behavior during Uff 2 to uh, Terrell and Tara, who always sat like close to me. And I always like, I, I didn't ever even say like, oh, hey, how's it going or anything to them? <laughs> because every morning I would just show up like super sleepy and like super anxious. And I'm like, oh, those are the cool kids. They don't want to, they don't want to, they're not going to let me at their lunch table, which was just like the next row back at the Balboa. And I feel, I feel very silly now. Um, like uh, having those self doubts and airing them out on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, here, like, I thought, I'm like looking at my notes, and it's just like all of these things that don't real that don't reference my anxieties. But then I'm like, you know what? I should definitely talk about my anxieties. Yeah, why not? That's that's definitely what needs to happen because we need to get this podcast long. And so if I only stick to what's on the notes, the podcast isn't going to be long enough. I'm trying to go long well, today, folks. Don't I worry, like, I'll help you. <laughs> we can we can make this work. I have I have raging raging allergies that I'm fighting through. I'm drinking um, hot lava to kind of dissolve uh, all of the substances in my body, so we have a nice clear voice. <laughs> it's not working, but we're gonna try it now. Before you continue, um, I totally thought you were gonna apologize about your a uh, three performance. Nope. Where you uh, handed out laced popcorn for free in the lobby. Maybe that was the one that I was rude at. Oh, you're rude I was at all. Anti- I was antisocial all the time, <laughs> which is something on the other on the other side of of uh, my extensive isolation. I'm going to try to pretend to work on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't buy it. Same. Although I am a very aggressive personality, so when the Randys and the Charlies of the world try to hide, I uh, I'll find Ooh, you. I have I have um, I have a shade to throw. Uh oh. But I'm gonna I'm not gonna be messy. Okay. Because when I'm messy, I own it. (laughs) (laughs) And what I'm kind of circling around, I'm not quite ready to own. But I'm owning that I'm not ready to own it. Oh. But I do have shade. Because there are some statements made about behavior at Uff that I think were not accurate. Uh Uh-oh. Are you talking about my dad? No. What the... (laughs) See, this is what I was hoping for. I was hoping to lay a vague enough trap 
that somebody would just be like, oh, what's this? What's this trap? Can I just stick my whole hand in it? Oh, my God, my hand is caught in a trap. Yes, oh, no. I was talking about your dad. What, what about your dad? You don't. Dude, he's the only one who ever Tell got a phone. Tell me more about your father. He got a phone call in the middle of a goddamn movie. I don't, I don't remember this happening. Uh, I mean. I, then you weren't in the movie. And I even remember you talking about it last week, yep. I think. But I forgot which which movie it was during. Oh, God, I don't remember. I blacked it all out. It, it was a nightmare. It, it might have been during Midnight Swim because I had seen Midnight Swim several times. It's one of my faves. Uh-huh. But I stepped out uh, during that time to have food. Oh, my God. If it was during Midnight Swim, my anxiety level just... Or it might have been during Blair Witch. I hope it was during Blair Witch. I don't think it was, though. So. No, that motherfucker... I mean, I love the man, mm-hmm. but he not only got a phone call very loud, yeah. he fucking answered it in the theater, <laughs> then made a show out of standing up, walked slowly out, taking the call, and That's then cool. let the door slam. <laughs> oh my God, I lost a year of my life living through that. Oh my, oh, I'm getting anxiety now. Yeah, so. Do you see any then. movies? Do you see any movies? <laughs> Randy? I did, yeah. Are we are we there now? Prove it. <laughs> I like we, this. What about the uh, the TBR report? Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, well, excuse, well, Randy, 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 Randy. Uh-huh. Randy, what's your job title here? Uh, engineer. Is it is it host? It isn't. No. I'll be saying when we do the TBR report. I'm going to take the advice of my engineer, <laughs> who I trust to do this show better than me, and say, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, TBR report. Uh, is Sorry, there, is there stuff you, I have to do the you caught me off guard. The TBR report is actually generally where I go take a go to the bathroom and then come back. Oh, so it's my so bath, bathroom break time before I talk about movies. What need to go the pee-pee. fuck? Are you joking right now? No, you bail on the one segment that I put my heart and soul into. Randy also edits the show. He can listen to the. <laughs> yeah, I listen back to it every week. Times. Oh my god! All right, all right. You ready, Charlie? Yes. All right. <clears throat> it's the TBR report. Is that the voice? Is that how he does it? He nailed it. Charlie, thank you for the, the beautiful introduction. Um, again, the TBR report, the Thomas Burke report, mm-hmm. uh, found footage adventurer. He really outdid himself this week. Is uh, He dug up a film that... Um, Stands out in my mind now because he's the only one who's ever reviewed it on Letterboxd, which earlier when we were talking about how to get a movie on Letterboxd, I'm now curious, did he add it? Honestly, if you're a found footage fan, he might have populated half of the found footage films on there. Again, movie archive. Go check him out. Anyway, um, Thomas writes this week, believe it or not, I thought we should go with a found footage film that's actually in English this week called Tangled Web from 2014. Now, I'm going to stop you there. You put 2014 in this email before I read it, and uh, I was like, 2014? How weird, given the aesthetic. When I looked it up, it said 2008. So we'll come back to that. Uh, Thomas continues, A lonely woman trapped in an abusive marriage finds solace in her online lover, a man she only knows through online video chatting. Unknown to her, she is also being secretly watched via her webcam. After the woman suffers a brutal beating, her lover proposes a bold plan, a way she can kill her husband and claim self-defense, but the plan goes horribly wrong. 
please understand that this is not a very intelligent or original story, but I think it's hilariously entertaining and that the corny dialogue and cheesy action sequences become exhilarating over time. I don't want it to seem like I'm bad talking the film, though, because I think there's artistic merit in the virtue of all forms of art and entertainment. And to me, the good films out there, typically the ones that stick with you. And after seeing this one, a week ago and recommending it to half a dozen friends, I think the moral of the story is Tangled Web sold me, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, Oksana, you cut out his damn sign-off again. All the best, Thomas Burke, TBR, LLC, OHP, UFF, rules. Or R-O-O-L-Z. P.S. <laughs> to clear the air on this episode, the reason there's confusion uh, about the number is that in the first episode of TBR, I had two recommendations, The Nest, a short film, and Operation Avalanche. So I think we're on 20 this week. I believe packaging those two films together as one episode then puts us at number 19. I didn't know I they think. were numbered. Uh, we've been numbering them. Now, the only reason I bring this up is because I, on this show, made a promise with him that mm -hmm. we would watch MTV Fear and cover it yeah, yeah. as number 20. Yeah. And now I'm like, we can't agree on what number we're on. <laughs> Oksana says, Oksana, what do you say what number we're on? My list well, that is says the, That's the only number. 20. That's the only number you can do stuff on is 20. So 20. you missed your chance. So I feel like we might have fucked it. But if I go with... You can't do 25. You can't do 30. <sighs> there are no other numbers to celebrate. If you go, if you package the first two, which yeah. I didn't even list the nest as one of them because <laughs> I didn't realize this was... Do we talk about it? I don't even remember. Yeah, you did. By the way, The Nest is a great found footage short. Uh, it's available online. I'm pretty sure we did talk about it. Yeah, you did. Um, that would mean that the Blackwell Ghost episode one, or one through four was on episode nine. Oh, who cares? <laughs> anyway, he put PSX. If you package the middle seven together, <laughs> what number does that make us on two weeks from now? Yeah, we're going to have to do some, uh, let's some really, numerology. Let's really figure this shit out. Yeah, well, dude, we should look up numerology and find out which number is most powerfully related to found footage. Anyway, PSS, extra credit given. If you want to see an insanely good found footage short, please check out this 12-minute Brazilian film titled Enquerto Politico and 0521 09 on YouTube. There's a link. Uh, Randy, can we tweet that out? Also, I didn't watch that short. Also, does that make this episode 21 if you recommend two films again? I'm yes. waiting, Thomas. I'm waiting to hear. Okay, thank you, Randy. <laughs> my, my interpretation of it is that every single message you receive constitutes a separate report. Regardless of the number <laughs> of titles recommended per message, it's the message itself that constitutes a report. I feel like that's a fair argument. Yeah. And if anyone wants to fight me on that, <laughs> um, I accept duels by blade or fist or blunt weapon. I don't do ranged weapons uh, because they're scary. You're showing your tabletop there. Yeah, man. I know. <laughs> I can feel it. I've, I want to play D&D &D so bad and it's been so long. It's so hard to, um, to get my party together. Uh, well, we play every Saturday, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a disruptive player. <laughs> That's fine. We, uh, we did 12 hours of bookkeeping anyway, a tangled web. We weave mm. with, uh, I'm going to say 2008 film, a tangle, not a ta tangled web. Now, Thomas came in kind of a uh, hot here. And, uh, even though he kind of like tried to backtrack a little bit, 
you know, I think he said this movie's so bad it's good. I liked the, I liked when he said, "I'm not making, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying there's value in all <laughs> works of art," I know. which but, I think is still underselling the experience of watching it. I didn't think that uh, that you would have to stretch that far. No, to to to, to give this film um, sign of recommendations, it actually made me think that oh is it still november because i'm getting shades of november oh. um, from some of the the, the plotting and the, and the twisties um of it like not necessarily that it's boiled or uh you know gritty or anything um but now, you know some of the stuff going on now here's the charm of charlie what he just said right there could be taken as a joke but you're completely right and he, tangled web now just just try and set this movie up the reason there's a conflict here about the year it came out is because it looks like it came out in 1997 or something. It was it was giving me like, oh, this would have been what somebody would produce right after seeing Collingwood Story. Exactly. Like, it's the exact next step. And thank you for recommending Collingwood Story to me. Oh, yeah. I forgot to call you guys out on that. You're like, oh, I can't remember. Oh, who, who's, who Wait, do we did? Collingwood Story. I don't oh, remember. <laughs> Oh, oh, we don't I remember am, anything. No, oh, no, let me clear the air. Issues. No, no. That's me so, too, though. <laughs> I also remember something else. You recommended it to me. Yeah. I got in contact with the director. Oh, yeah, and I was supposed to interview him. And yeah, I there we did. go. Yeah. <laughs> and I have like a fucking like little pages document on my computer that's like 10 questions for this guy. And there's like eight questions there. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, is making a movie fun? It's now, like shit like that. <laughs> here's a real faux pas for you too. Yeah. Um. So after that, he he sent me a DVD, and I was like, "Oh, awesome!" And mm. we'll we'll book him on the show because the movie's incredible. Yeah. And it you know it pertains to Tangleweb because it's it's a film basically told through Skype before Skype was invented, yeah. and it's very fucking nineties. Mm. I think it came out in like two thousand two. Yeah, Collingwood was like right before Skype was uh launched skype i think launched in 03 okay yeah and so what's interesting about tangled web is that it does kind of have a kind of a pre-skype desktop aesthetic but it is technologically like in a skype world yeah which is a weird aesthetic choice yeah but you know what i fucking love it i dig it because yeah who uh, you know these characters i'm not sure that this the family depicted would necessarily have the latest technology like, is the lead character a gamer mom? Yes. <laughs> She's constantly gaming, um, like, on, on, the, on the computer and stuff. But it, she doesn't necessarily seem, like, super hooked into all the latest technological upgrades all the time and stuff. And not everyone is. All I, my technology is old as shit. You know, that, that's an interesting point. Because if this film had come out in, like, early 2000, like, or late 90s, yeah. they would be on the top. People would be freaking out that the kid had a Nintendo DS. Right? Because, okay. Because that wouldn't have existed. And people would be like, how are you playing the new, the, that Pokemon game? The now, only Pokemon game you're supposed to have only has Pikachu in it. Okay. Yeah. So, that's a super interesting point, and I'm glad you <laughs> caught that. Now, here's the thing. So, we open up the film. And uh, we're we're brought to a desktop that I, you know, I attempted to write down and trying to explain. I really. Mm -hmm. OK, first off, this movie is free on Vimeo right now. There is uh, it's not compatible with like console players for some reason. But if you go on, I think we got it on the Roku. It worked and on computers, it will work fine. Um, but it's on free for Vimeo. So watch it. Also, it's only 72 minutes long. Oh, yeah. Gotta love that. And for a movie that does fit in Noir Vember and is heavy drama, like family domestic drama, you would think it would drag. But for some reason, this movie's got a pace to it. And I think it's because it opens up with a 
frame that oh, what did it say? It said like ghost. Uh, it said ghost cam desktop, and on the bottom it said <laughs> apps, docs, hacks, triple X picks. And you're like, what is happening? And there are three terrible <laughs> thumbnails. Love to click on my hacks button, right? It didn't even look like they were clickable. Also, no, it's yeah, on no. the desktop, so yeah. it's like, what? What are we doing? And the background is like it was like his little uh, Chiron little catchphrase. Exactly, at the it's like that's his tattoos, man. Yeah, and they didn't move. Also, he only had two icons on the desktop. Yeah, one was a. Uh, it looked like my computer, except it had a monitor and a tower. Mm. Like I'm like, oh, they're going extra with their Ooh. icon. Then the one under it had the little like. A uh, very iconic ball webcam. Now, yeah. the the thing is, the only thing he clicks on, or I shouldn't say he, because the, we don't know who's actually operating this thing. They move over, and on the right, there are five faces that all seem like they're YouTube links that uh, when you put up the video and you don't pick your thumbnail, it's just like some awkward picture. And we click on one, and we get um, webcam footage. Uh, this whole movie is screen life. And we kind of toggle through all five people and it does a great job of being like, it has that natural voyeuristic vibe. Like if you had actually hacked into somebody's computer, except everything feels kind of like a tableau, like everything's kind of perfectly framed. Like every time he clicks on one, something's happening, except for one girl was asleep which he kind of moved on from, which honestly I thought he would have lingered longer. That was Trisha. Oh, that did was, you remember their names? It wasn't just I wrote an empty them down. <laughs> <laughs> I took notes. What? I thought it was an empty bedroom. No, no, they were asleep. They were in the bed. It was too dark for me to see if she was in the bed or not. So I just assumed that either she was sleeping or hiding or just not there. <laughs> well, Trisha Cam. I don't know what she would be hiding from as at the bottom of the frame. Every time he toggled through these. It could be a bear. We don't know because we're not in the room. We're just around the other side of a webcam. There could be a bear in that house. We don't know. Well, they don't know that they're being filmed, which we know because at the bottom of the frame, it says stealth mode. Oh, yeah, stealth mode. (laughs) And you're like, wait, do, do they see that? Or is that just like if we're watching them like through a hack, why would we need to be reminded? Anyway, I make fun of that, but... It adds this anxiety to the film when we actually land on the subjects that we're, we're going to hang out with, who, I mean, admittedly, if you're a hacker voyeur who's trying to watch somebody, I think he picked the most interesting ones. Um, we have a, a couple and their children come in and they're late for school and the school bus is outside honking, waiting for them to come out. I, uh, I actually did take a school bus to a uh, high school for a little while. They not only would not honk. I was going to say, would your bus have, have given you, I think two or three honks? Fuck no. They're, that bus, <laughs> that driver hated the kids on it. Mm-hmm. So if you weren't there, you got like the minute the last kid was on, he's gone. Yeah. You could be running down the street screaming. Yeah. He'll drive around you in the road. <laughs> they did not. This bus driver, bunch of courtesy honks. Yeah. Parked outside their house. <laughs> and uh, you get the vibes in this interaction that uh, there might be a little bit of a domestic violence going on. We learned that the husband is a cop and uh, <laughs> the son who has a field trip. Uh, what, what do they call that? Permission slip. Needs a signature. Now, the mom looks at it, but doesn't sign it. She rather opts in to zip up her daughter's hoodie. I don't think the kid brought her a pen. I think I, that's he didn't. The, kid. <laughs> the dad, he looked at it and went, the hell? Stars? Why don't you go outside and look up? <laughs> and the kid's like, come on, dad. And he's like, you better remember the name of some stars and planets when you get home. I'm going to ask you at dinner. Yeah. That, and that uh, dad fucking sucked. And exit children 
for uh, all but one more scene, which I think will really set the tone of this movie. As we watch um, the, the loving mom read to her son and daughter a bedtime story while her dad's at work. And um, she's reading the story. The son is, uh, like Charlie astutely pointed out, is playing a DS, which throws into question the era completely. Because the room, the room looks like it could be a early 2000s, late 90s. It looked very, um, I don't know, time period neutral. What, what was the cell phone situation in the film? Where Do we see a lot of mobile phones at all? You know? I think... I think there might have been one, and it was the flip phone. I remember which, something which makes like sense, that. This would, this would be if it was as like two thousand. I, I saw I saw two thousand eight as well as, yeah. as the year at, on some source, and that would be on the cusp of like the launch of iPhone. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's 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 in a nice, beautiful era of flipping the phones and pressing all your little numbers three times to yep. get to the letter you need. <laughs> Oh yeah, God! You just gave me a bad memory of that, Ooh. and I think you're you're right. The uh, father has a flip phone. Now, the 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 bedtime story scene is so incredible because not only does it mark the end of the children being in this movie, which is a problematic point, but it it illustrates something, um, and that's the domestic violence. She's reading the story and. They're in the middle of it, and they're sitting on the edge of her bed, a perfect frame for the, the webcam, which captures the closet door that's never shut all the way, the bedroom door, which is never even remotely shut. If you shut a closet door all the way, that's how the monsters get in. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. Yeah. It did really make the room feel lived in. And as yeah. somebody who watches a lot of indie horror movies, when you're in a room that feels like a set or like they took down all the pictures because they, they didn't want to show you they're a horror fan. Yeah. That it's very distracting. This room felt uh, organic. Um, so they're sitting there reading the story, and they hear the door. The front door is opening. She goes, Dad's home, quick. And she puts yeah. the book down. They all jump into her bed yeah. and pretend <laughs> to sleep on top of the covers. That's what's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting um, choice <laughs> of just, I mean, just by, by, the, by the characters. Not, not, I mean, again, I think this is maybe what he's getting into is like, oh, this film isn't necessarily like like you know high found footage art or whatever oh because, i don't know because yeah they, they they're like oh dad's gonna be mad if we're reading you know the fairy tale bedtime story or whatever but he also seems to to be angered by the idea that the kids are in the 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 bed yeah. with her at all and so you'd think well wouldn't you usher the kids and you know little scoot their boots out of the room but that's that's kind of like a tactical realist point that's not to, <laughs> and, and like that's i am not trying to say that you know the the movie has to has to be suffering in its critical regard um, be, because of a perceived uh, like split second decisive error in a fictional character's decision making. Well, you know he walks in and you get a pretty what here, a piece of shit this guy is. What too. a piece that of shit! Fucker. But it felt so the the vibe of the acting in this movie isn't bad. It feels like a high school stage play. Yeah, but they're doing it. It just feels kind of like the craft is off That's, a little bit. Well, I mean, that's that honestly made it just like a little more watchable for me. If it, if the verisimilitude of domestic violence had been ratcheted up, oh yeah, yep, too much. Um, you know, I, I I think I think it you know it gains you know intensity or horror or whatever. Um, 
I think this is maybe about the appropriate level because I'm, of course, the the expert in authority <laughs> of how to, how to depict these various themes and my experiences and opinions are, of course, universal. Um, well, the dead, the, he storms in and he tells them, you're I'm not, not sure asleep. This, this actor cannot storm. Oh, okay. That's a fair point. He, he, he skitters in. He, so he skitters in the door. He's taken off his tie. He kind of ignores them. And he goes, I know you're not asleep. Get out of my bed. You're not, raise your voice a couple of Yeah, right. <laughs> no, he yells. And, you know, I, I pulled a clip from this film and I, I need to warn people. The audio um, is in pursuit of verisimilitude as uh, it's not great as it's probably caught on a single mono webcam. That's, microphone. that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, from this moment on, we really linger with the mom and we kind of lament in her her cage of what I would call boredom because mm. she constantly, so her neighbor friend comes over and she, she's lamenting about all oh, I, I, I can't leave. I can't ever get out of the house. And she's like, you need to get out of the house. She's yeah. like, well, I got kids. And it's like, but they don't show up anymore. And also we get like a, like a depressing montage of her life. And it's her reading a book, her playing a video game. Be cool. If like that was literal. And like, it's just like her kids had disappeared. And she just is like, <laughs> Damn, I'm bored all the time. I don't know why. I used to do so much shit. <laughs> there why used don't to I be do children. anything anymore? Dude, but right? They don't show up. Like you would think. Yeah. Like in my head, if I'm thinking like, of a over- gone, gone girl too, the kids are gone and nobody notices. <laughs> no, dude. She has like a weird form of amnesia. Also, so here's the thing. Yeah. Every now and then the, uh, so another, another big plot point, everything in here is in the first act is that the mom is talking to a, me- a fella online they have a like skype back and forth and uh things are a little hot they're a little um romantic things are warm things are things warm, are warm. <laughs> it's a con- it's it's congenial it's like it's it's obviously has romantic intentions but the depiction is like relatively chaste uh it's it's interesting that there's this kind of like there are like references you know to to nudity and stuff but it almost seems Oh yeah, it's like, teasing you. Like, but even the, the the way the characters are talking about it seems kind of like playful and um, not not necessarily repressed, but like it's charmingly awkward. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And not in good way. In a way that I wouldn't even describe as like like that rings f- like false. Like it kind yeah. of felt like an uh, authentic. Like there is an, an awkward moment where uh, the the male suitor, uh, I guess, shows his member. When uh, the when the mom won't flash him, yeah, he's like, "Well, I'll show you mine." I think he just showed her his balls or his butt <laughs> because when it cuts back to him, he's kind of at an angle, like yeah. he just mooned her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he leaned over and just tucked tuck, tuck the testes out, <laughs> out the back end and waggled him, and is just like, "Here's looking at you." Kid. No, I, I don't know what kind of mental picture we're he got, painting. He got like googly eyes on the testes, and so when they waggled, and I wouldn't put it past him. You know, and one, one of my I favorites. would. I think that's a much more clever idea than he would come up with. Although you see the sweaters on that guy, that's oh, not an imagination. The, man. the argyle <laughs> sweater in front of. Uh, what I think is a fireplace His, with one sock hanging from it. Yeah, the single stocking uh, thing <laughs> hanging from. The, I thought that was a good piece of, of mise en scene with a little stocking. Oh, yeah. dude, I love a holiday. Alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, a holiday film. This is a, an appropriate one to watch on Christmas. Now, he does call himself charming and handsome, so I think you know mm-hmm. the he knows. googly yeah. eyes on his buttocks would be uh, right up his alley. No, the oh, part of the pun. Googly eyes are on the testes, and he's tucking them. <laughs> he's bending over, and he's tucking the testes like. So it's like a nose. 
Yeah, so it's kind of it's like well, it's like a guess who face. The only I I have like uh like selective anaphasia or whatever it's called when you can't imagine the pictures and stuff. So I'm gonna have to actually do this (laughs) at at home and then come back with a clearer description of exactly what body part the googly eyed testicles would be if swung through a leaning over individual like mooning you well that could be the second meme you make of this movie excellent yeah, as yeah. when we were oh, talking yeah. on instagram oh, killed it. you sent me a meme of it was a still image of the male suitor and uh you put uh, one of my favorite lines from the movie in it do you know you remember it? Uh, it was like oh i got a santa gave me a portable dvd player yeah. and he has like this <laughs> He gives he gives the fucking gym face. He's like, hmm, well, he's, I'm such a little cutie. He's so smug, man. He I loves that DVD player. Which I, I would be smug if I had one of those too. So useful. You'd see the people in the airports. They're playing their DVDs, and I'm like, it's 2005. How the fuck are you doing this? <laughs> I never had one. I never, I never had, had one luxury. either, man. Okay, now I don't know what kind of tonal picture we're painting here, but I pulled an audio clip just to to help illustrate. Now. This is a moment um, we it's revealed that uh, our protagonist, the mom, it's her birthday and her neighbor shows up with a party hat on and starts grilling her on how her life is not that bad. So we're going to jump in about halfway in this conversation. Uh, here we go. He'll at least take you out to celebrate, won't he? Oh, yeah. He'll take me out to his favorite restaurant where he'll bitch about the price of everything and drink too much. And then he'll bring me back here, throw me in the sack and grab a piece of ass, whether I want to or not. Some celebration. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I had actually, you know, again, I I want to repeat that. I'd seen like a shitload of of movies in the past week and I'd forgotten about that, that line. And that was, yeah, that's, that's the, like, that's, that's the big turn where it's revealed that. Yeah. Not only is there, there, there's like violence, there's, yeah, it's just uh, there's there's all, a little bit of rape going it's on. Bad, it's a bad scenario. Um, and you know, I should yeah. I should mention, you know, Charlie uh, Thomas was pointing out how like funny this movie is, and it is true. It's very offbeat and quirky, and it it does have a touch of somebody who doesn't quite know what they're doing filmmaking wise. Mm, yeah, but I mean, her struggle feels pretty real in this movie, and the the kind of delivery that the dad is fumbling through kind of reads as authentic to me that's what i was thinking is like on the page like the 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 abusive dad character feels very genuine and authentic yeah and the the dissonance between that and the delivery uh i don't know it's it's like uh it's like um when your cocaine is cut with a little bit of baby powder (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a less extreme experience and you're less likely to overdose dude I love it. And I think I think uh, you'll agree with me where I non-ironically like this movie. I, I actually ended up watching it two times. I didn't watch it twice, but I, I liked it. Yeah. No, I watched it twice because the first time it felt kind of like a fever dream. Mm. And I'm like, also, when you get to the end of this movie, which I highly recommend people check out. Now, we're recording this on Sunday, like our uh, guest uh, David Lynch mentioned. But I'm going to I'm going to put this up on Instagram and I'm going to try and make a habit of this. Any movie that's like free or that you can check out, I'm going to try and put it up a couple days before so you can get in on the conversation. And I really want to stress that this movie manages to have restraint when I was done with it, I'm like, could, did I really like that movie? Like, I feel like the pacing was probably weird or I was distracted. I rewatch it. I'm like, somehow this movie just moves. I don't mm. know. 
Um, I, I, I <laughs> recommend Motion picture it. capturing technology will generally provide a, <laughs> a situation where things are moving for the most part. Now we are dealing with a security cam screen life film. That's so true. the camera actually doesn't move. The camera itself. No, but all the, all the things in front of it are, are shuffling back and forth, the uh, human bodies and stuff. Now, I do want to mention. I'm, I'm not a serial killer. When I say <laughs> when I say human bodies, I don't mean that. Like I don't think of people as alive. Oh no. Okay, I made notes because I know of, that people are alive. I really wanted to get what you thought about this. Okay. Uh, in the montage of her doing things in a depressed manner, yeah. uh, again reading books, playing a lot of video games, which I should mention, cool they do the old trope of like disembodied controller kind of cord running off anywhere, and like yeah, yeah. beep 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 beep. But yeah. it's like the kid was playing a real DS a minute ago. Yeah. So we couldn't do another similar, like, real video game console? The mom knows that handheld gaming is for little boys. <laughs> the mom knows that PC gaming reigns supreme, but you have to have a decent plug-in controller. Now, my favorite Stay Busy, mm -hmm. uh, I'm a Trapped Housewife uh, project that she had yeah. was painting her blue room white. I actually also noticed and really loved that. Yeah. So she paints her whole bedroom white. Yeah. And then paints it back blue. In a day. Yeah. And I, you know, the first time I, it must, it washed over you me. Like get a, your fumes by any means necessary. Dude, <laughs> it, it kind of just like washed over me and it, I didn't sink in. And then Oksana went, did she just paint her room white and then blue again? I loved how they filmed it too, because she didn't, I mean, behind the curtain, she didn't really paint the room. It was like one little piece behind the door, <laughs> which I think is why the door stays open for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I watched this movie two times Whoa. and I paid extra strong detail to this. Uh, the room is shown completely white. Weird. And unless unless they made this movie in 2020 and they just like color corrected the damn thing, I feel like they really did it. I do remember that. But it was, it was something about it was like a camera trick, too. Well, anyway, you just shoot it out of sequence and then there you go. I know. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the only thing is it's blue and then she puts the white roller over it and then mm -hmm. it's white. So maybe they did one and then reverse whatever. Uh, anyway, we've talked way too long about this film, but I, I really think that's the only way we can articulate how weird this movie is. Also, I think the way that we talked about it is literally the only way <laughs> that, that this movie can be discussed. There are no other choices that could have been made. This is our fate. Yeah, no. It, Noir Vember, Holiday, um, screen life, security cam footage. Also, we didn't even mention her computer tech dude who steals the movie. There's a lot more left in this film that it gets bonkers. I highly recommend. Go check out Tangled Web. Also, review it on Letterboxd and we'll know you're listening to the show as Thomas, our TBR found footage adventurer, is the only one to have done it so far. What did he give it? Do you know his star rating? I think it was a three. Now, Thomas, but he also wrote about it. I Thomas think. is kind of a wet noodle when it what comes. Did, to what that. did he write about it on Letterboxd? I'm curious about the yeah, pull, only pull that up. I'm will, looking it up now. But I also want to point out that this is not the only movie titled "Tangled Web" from 2018. Uh, I wanted yeah. to watch that crime drama from <laughs> that that showed up on YouTube I, under the title "Tangled Web." But from 2008, was, I think there's one about some people in a ski lodge, and there might ooh. be a laptop involved. It's not okay. that movie. If there's a webcam oh. and a secret editor, then I'll watch it. Otherwise, don't waste my time. <laughs> there's, I like that there's only one letterbox rating for it, and it's like right in the middle. Yeah. And so the little ratings thing, like it has this big flat space, and then just <laughs> bump, little chunky three, and then like flat space again. It's, it's got one That's heart murmur. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little Iowa road stop, middle of nowhere thing. How do I read the reviews? How do I use letterbox? 
Here's the review. I'm Thomas Burke. Wow. This was actually really funny. I don't know how self-aware it is, but still, I'm loving the cheesy, corny dialogue that played out. Dot, dot, dot. Set in the screen life genre, this movie is filmed entirely over webcams and delves into a domestic abuse case. Dot, dot, dot. With a dramatic twist. Twist is in all caps. I think that sums it up. Yeah. Pretty, pretty that, good. Actually, that actually nails it. That's, uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. All right. I, there I, only I, needs to be the one review. Everyone else can rate it, but please <laughs> don't review it. <laughs> Leave that as, as what you need. All right. And on that note. It's on eight lists. People have been listing it. Okay. It's on a couple of lists. I'm sure we're going to pop up on lists for having watched it. <laughs> All right. And uh, two members have watched it. Two, two letterbox members have watched it and have logged it as being watched. Me and Thomas Burke. Oh, you fucker. You beat nice. me to it. Well, I mean, yeah, I just use the letterbox app to do the thing. All right. And on that note. This concludes the discard. 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 The that was Thomas. <laughs> oh my god! He's using your microphone. That's really it. cool. <laughs> why doesn't he? Should, oh, I guess I. Why doesn't he do the intro? Because Clark does the intro. What am I even asking? Um. Well, he. Did, you know what this reminded me of too was that last time I spoke to you guys, I hadn't done, I hadn't encountered this yet, um, but there's a television show called Big Brother. Oh, I've heard of it. And I did live feeds this year, and so I would stay up. And I would only go there at super late nights, Uh-oh. like while the, while the house guests were sleeping and the chat room function on it was where I actually spent most of my attention. The, the, the competition and what the house guests did, I could give or take it. It was a fine season. Um, you know, shout out, uh, Tiffany should have won. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag Tiffany was robbed. Um, but the, the chat room drama really where, where everything was at, there was drama about whether people in the chat room were having their names duplicated and being like replaced by imposters. Um, are you was, joking? I no, can never tell. No, no, no. <laughs> but here's, and here, okay. So this is like a whole fucking journey about it. So these people have known each other for 20 years through these chat rooms because some of them have been on the big brother chat rooms since it first aired. And so they're all like, old Mm -hmm. some of them are not and they're giving each other like true life updates like like health problems like pets like stories about their pets and stuff and their careers or whatever but then this imposter scenario started happening where people were getting their usernames exactly duplicated for the first time ever or so i think (laughs) here's where the wrinkle comes in into this mystery is that there was all this discourse about imposters and whether people were being duplicated or not in little private rooms where people would try to authenticate themselves versus their imposters. But I'm not sure if it was real. And why I don't know if it was real is because at the same time that this was happening, the circle season three was showing on Netflix, I believe, Uh which also dealt with a subplot in that show, which is kind of like big brother, but it's all through um, producer intermediaries that they show you on the screen as being chat rooms. Yeah. It's not really a chat room. It's a producer taking down the notes and then delivering it to the next room or whatever. And that show had uh, a contestant take over another contestant's identity and become a duplicate imposter. Yeah. And so I'm thinking it was the big brother chat room imposter, a real scenario, or was it a circle fan trying to kind of perform a character that was like, oh, I'm I'm being imposterized as kind of an inside joke for other Circle fans. Yeah. And I don't know, and I won't be able to know until the next time Big Brother comes back to air so I can go back in the chat room because the chat room's shut down once the show is over. 
what I did in the chat room was kind of similar and why I'm suspicious of them being honest because I was not honest about who I was in the chat room. My username was Regis Philbin. <laughs> and I, I would go in there and I'd say, oh, I love being a television legend. I sure hope that the contestants have a good day. Today. I would do like, like David Lynch's Morning Report. I would talk kind of like that. But like as if I as if I thought that Big Brother strategy was like something really easy, but also I had a bad sense of it. So I'd be like, oh, everyone seems to be falling in love with the least like their least popular contestant. I'd be like, everyone sure loves that guy. And the room would be like, you you fucking troll. No, they don't. They don't love him. They think he's annoying. I'm like, I don't know. You can see it in their eyes. They, they're kind of charmed by him. Charlie. Yeah, again, you're what a am fucking, I doing with my fucking life? You're a goddamn enigma. First off, hanging out with my cat is what I'm doing. Now, here's a little thing. You know, um, Pet my little kitty cat. Part of the character, you know, deep in my id, mm-hmm. I always like to bring up things that kind of like alienate 99% of the room. And I feel like we both get that. Here's the thing, though. Uh-huh. My mom. She's been in those Big Brother chats since the yeah. beginning. And so, and so, I'm curious if like we know some of the same people because. The ch- the chats are kind of d- dispersed into different rooms. Is it by like nation or no 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 no? Uh, oh no, because Big Brother has their own nation based shows, right? Like yes. they have Big Brother UK and yeah, Big Brother. Okay. Simultaneous with the US Big Brother season this time, uh, there was also a Big Brother um, going on in Nigeria. That um, really yeah. <laughs> Damn, Big yeah. Brother. Big Brother's weird because it doesn't get the fanfare that I think. Because Big Brother came out of the UK, right? It came out of the Netherlands. The Netherlands. Yeah. And it I, was perfected, though, in Germany. Uh, the fifth season of German Big Brother lasted for 365 days straight. Now, God damn it. Here's the thing. I want to watch it so bad. It's like, fuck Berlin Alexanderplatz. The <laughs> real overly long German media that I need is a Criterion edition of season five of German Big Brother. Dude. So bad. So the Venn diagram of like found footage and reality TV, do you think it's like... I'll tell you this. Did you ever watch the first season of Survivor? And I mean, really yeah, yeah. watch it? Yeah, my, my, the, my mom is a huge Blair reality Witch, fan. The Blair Witch competition within that season. No. You oh. got to go back. Got to go back. Can you send me a link to that or something? Absolutely, yeah. Season five of German Big Brother. It's, it's 365 days, but 419 episodes? Yeah. <laughs> More episodes than days? Well, the episodes <laughs> aren't a 24-hour thing. Although... Man, so while, you were, while you were running through that, mm-hmm. first off, I know the circle because uh, our first guest host, Terrell, has Should auditioned he, twice. It, how it is, I think he moved. I love him on the circle, man. He's yeah, fun. no, not joking. Also, him and my mom, they're like, we should go on there and try and be a pair. Because you know how they do like the weird when connection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought his mom. Yeah, but it's like. Think of that couple. If my mom and Terrell were on the circle, how would you? uh, you, It would be a great thing here as a TV producer, though. How am I marketing that? I don't know. (laughs) Like this, this this podcaster and his (laughs) and his friend's mom. (laughs) Well, it's like like if I were in charge of the show, absolutely, it'd be nothing but weird pairs like that. Um, Well, no, it would be Instagram. It'd be Instagram influencer, and husky hoarder. Oh, uh, my mom only has one. That's, she has a new one though, and you know it's a it's a point of contention. But, but again, is that is that like a connection that that you as an audience member would be like? Oh, of course, the classic pairing <laughs> of social media influencers and you could oh, sell them as puppies. like Big Brother. Uh, they could be Big Brother super fans. Yeah, I think it super would, fans it would, for sure. I was trying to think like authorities or something. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it, it the, would Google well. The Big Brother know it alls would be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's a reference to the Survivor know it alls, which is of course everyone's favorite. <laughs> Uh, uh, like 
unofficial official unofficial survivor um like podcasts and shit but those guys are like they're like old money survival <laughs> people like they've they both competed on the show and shit and oh. so of course they know what's going on because they've been on the damn program dang you know i always forget that you're into reality shows what, I just watched five seasons of The Real Housewives of Potomac. I know, but again, you are a five. true living enigma, and I can never <laughs> tell if you just do research on, on kind of it's like tough to say. I remember one time you brought a snake I'm wrangling. So cool. Yeah, you. Uh, hey, we think so here. You oh, brought. Oh God, no! My that's my childhood though. The I know, but the I thought you were lying. Derby. Yeah. I called you out on the rattlesnake derby, and then you sent me a fucking video that somebody took from their phone. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I just don't question you anymore. I'm like, <laughs> no, everything is true. And uh, yeah, I, that, when you were running through that, I kept mm. thinking, you should screen capture that shit. I feel like you could of, cut uh, a short the big you in the chat, chat room. Honestly, uh, I really wish I had. I, took, I do have some notes about various miniature arcs of the drama within because I was like, this is too good not to have some sort of like evidence that this shit went down. I have some pictures on my phone of it that I'll scroll through really? after we record and I'll see if I can find them. Um, but I didn't learn how to screen capture. I feel like Big Brother would block that shit. Like they would. They might. Or Paramount, because it's through Paramount Plus. Yeah, I know. So Amazon, browser, yeah, they probably, they're probably capture. not yeah. fans. Now we it. could hack it. We'll get Randy on it. <laughs> Randy, he watches all of Big Brother anyway. He's got the live stream going right now. Randy, I have a couple Big Brother questions for you if you wouldn't mind answering them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Randy, what's your favorite Julie Chen catchphrase? It's, um, get her done. <laughs> she might have said that. She might have said that. I'm not, I'm not one to say. You're not watching in the late night. Uh, You're claiming to, she's, but she's, apparently. She's, she's the host of the broadcast version of the show. And so people who watch the broadcast show know more about like the Julie oh. Chen side of things. I'm I should have known that. I'm a honestly. live feeder now. And so the broadcast show, I'm just like, I don't even watch that shit. So do they ever talk about like I know um people used to fly planes over with like messages to the yeah, people? Do so. they ever talk about that in the chat? Like that kind of stuff? Yes. Uh so the chat does talk about production somewhat and also stuff like that where contestants are hounded persistently not to talk about production. Yeah. Whenever the live feeds are interrupted, 95% of the time it's because the cast is talking about production, um, which they're not supposed to do. There's actually a book um, written by a former contestant uh, who has a PhD in communication studies. And I think it's even called Do Not Talk About Production. Whoa. <laughs> and it's about his experience um, kind of like being somebody that Big Brother, and this is like in the 2005-ish, mm, maybe? Don't quote me on that year. Um, and he was talking about like what it felt like being the representative of like the gay community on big brother at that time. Oh, and how the production was shaping his identity and story into this, this, this one, one thing, um, you know, and then the, the competitive elements too and stuff. Uh, God, I forgot. I forgot his name. I think it's maybe Regan. It might be Regan. Now I cannot find this damn book. Are you trying? I, I, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you, please do. I, I, um, a, a big bird dropped off a PDF copy of it in my lap when I was sitting at the beach the other day. Is it called House Rules? No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. House Rules. You look a little older since you were at that beach, too. I don't know what's going on. Dude, all right. <laughs> yeah. What if Benjamin Button was on the old beach? I have that as a note. Like, <laughs> if he was there, things would have been even crazier. <laughs> They would have been like, why is he turning into a baby so fast? 
Wait, what would happen? He would just, I mean, the same thing that happened, he would, you know, meet Kate Blanchett and shit, but he would just do it faster. He'd be in purgatory, wouldn't he? No, he would just, no, he would do his stuff. He would meet Kate Blanchett and Tilda Swinton just faster. <laughs> Dude, that's the sequel. They they yeah. send out secret agent yeah. Benjamin Button to yeah. the beach. Yes. <laughs> Damn. Charlie. It's him and uh, they send out um, Bicentennial Man. They, like, bring back the... The Robin Williams character, Bicentennial Man. I forgot the character's name. <laughs> when he played the robot, yeah, they bring him, and it's him and Benjamin Button, and they're like, oh, I don't age at all. Oh, I age weirdly. Oh, we're an unlikely duo. We're going to crack the case of this beach. But then they go through the similar thing, and they just, you know, have Damn a it. life experience. That would have been a great segue to my movie, except I have we even gotten into the movie reviews? No, have you seen movies not yet. this week? What did vaguely, you vaguely. No, what we, we got to give it to Randy first because oh, he, le- he leaves when he's done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy, you have to <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have nothing else going on. Oh, God. Well, you, you come in with some levity and then you bring it down into the depression. Uh, thanks, Randy. That's me, baby. <laughs> also, this is the part of the program where I show for HBO Max. Oh, God. Um, I hope they're paying you. Before I get into films, I just want to say that uh, season two of How To with Sean Wilson is uh, back on and it's just as good as season one so far. I imagine it could be better, like post-lockdown. I just imagine he could do a lot with that format. Yeah. Um, he gets into some stuff from, like, his previous years, too. So it's not just, like, all, like, lockdown-related stuff. Like, you can tell that there's some footage that he filmed over the pandemic. Yeah. But he still uses, like, you know, past experiences and stuff and... The latest episode is pretty wild. Yeah, I'll echo that on the the how-to recommendation. I've only seen the first episode of this new season, um, but season, season one was, of course, oh, fantastic. Yeah, exemplary and shit. Yeah. And, and season two, at least, has kicked off with, with, with good stuff. I've just been stalking Randy online, and whenever he, like, watches <laughs> something, I, like, I, I like also jumped in and, like, watched it so <laughs> that we could have, like, watches in common. Um, I'm an influencer, baby. Randy is, an, Randy is the only influencer that I pay attention to. <laughs> well, here's the thing. <laughs> Randy's he's got good taste. We don't tell uh-huh. him on the show because it fucking he'll come in with a balloon sized head. That it would just be, instantly goes through. You have a webcam of him. If you don't want him to have cool shaped head, <laughs> then I don't know what the hell you're doing. That'd be cool if he had a balloon sized head now. Well, just uh, give him a couple more compliments. You'll see it. Okay. Um can't think of any what else wow. do like to, No, no, not to say not to say that it's specific about Randy, but like what are what other what do people like to hear? Randy, uh, you're a big. I don't sweetie. know. I'm not good at receiving compliments or giving them. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. My little compliment recipient over there, he's good at it. All right, talk about your damn movie. I don't want you to get any more compliments. So uh, yeah, after I watched the new um, the episode so clean, of How Randy. To, <laughs> Randy, John the place Wilson, is sparkling, spotless, and so are your teeth. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> I watched um, former guest's new film, new documentary, uh, Penny Lane. Uh, she directed Listening to Kenny G, which is on HBO, HBO Max, whatever. Right now, it's part of this uh, music box like thing that they're doing on HBO. There was a Alanis Morissette documentary. There's like a DMX one. And then there was the one about Woodstock. Uh, so this is the latest one. Uh, yeah, so... As described on Letterboxd, uh, a humorous but incisive look at the saxophonist Kenny G, the best-selling instrumental artist of all time and quite possibly one of the most famous living musicians. 
Um, so basically in this documentary, Penny Lane has interviews with Kenny G himself, kind of like spends a decent amount of time with him, like at his house slash studio in Seattle and kind of is interviewing him about his career. But there's also um, interviews with like music journalists and musicians and stuff like throughout the documentary. And they're kind of like, she's playing Kenny G for them. And they're sort of like responding to it and like listening to it. And it sort of just like goes into his career and about like how he started and how like people thought of him kind of as a joke and like wasn't really like considered a like a real jazz artist and how he basically like invented smooth jazz or like people started calling his stuff smooth jazz. And it, they like ask him, Penny asks him, asks him about that. And he's kind of just like, I don't know. He's like, I, I play what feels good to me, like what comes out and that's just what it is. And it's a, uh, I don't know. He's, he's very charming in his interviews. He just really just doesn't give a shit about the jazz police as he calls them. <laughs> he's like, the jazz police has come for me like millions of times. He's like, I don't care what, what they say now. He's like my, you know, my, my skin is hardened. So I'm just going to do whatever I want. Now I know why they call him Kenny G. <laughs> Cause he's a gangster. There you go. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty good documentary. Um, you know, I don't like Kenny G. I don't really care for, uh, smooth jazz or easy listening or whatever you want to call that type of genre. Um, and yeah, they kind of talk like sort of like they, one of the music critics or whatever they're, that they're talking to kind of like defines like the difference between like Kenny G and like real jazz, quote unquote real jazz and how jazz is mostly like sort of like a conversation. There's a lot of like call and response between instruments and how like Kenny G's music is all just like, it's all Kenny G. It's all saxophone. It's all solos and whatever the hell he wants to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty good documentary. It's pretty short. It's like 97 minutes or so. Um, yeah. Give it a shot. If you have HBO. Yeah. You know what? I might. Kenny G's one of those, like he's a pillar of culture here in America and it's one yeah. of those names. Everybody knows but I, you know, other than like infomercials or something, I don't think I've ever really had any interaction with them. Yeah. I, also, you know, had the same kind of uh, theory about him, too, that he was just kind of just bad or whatever. But um, I don't know. I don't think I'd heard any songs of his before this. Apparently, he has a really popular song in China. <laughs> it's called Going Home. Oh. And like in China, like when places are shutting down, like restaurants or supermarkets or whatever they'll all play oh, this kenny g song time. called coming home <laughs> yeah oh that's pretty cool China's it's like cool. A, yeah oh, it's like yeah. closing time by uh semi-sonic oh my gosh dude well I'll, I'll check it out too that sounds that sounds awesome and of course we're all huge penny lane fans here i i of love it. we discovered her give us credit <laughs> <laughs> you got more randy i do all um I'll tread lightly on it because uh, yeah, I know everyone better. else I'm wants so to see angry. it. I'm so angry. I almost texted you yesterday because I, I knew. I'm like, I really want to watch this movie. I'm not going to have enough time. And I know Randy's going to fucking see it. And it's going to be a retread when I want to talk about it. So just know <laughs> that I'm angry, but I'm eager to hear what you thought. I saw it opening night here at the Plaza Theater. West Side it's Story. <laughs> <laughs> Close. I saw the new Paul Verhoeven film, uh, Benedetta which is uh, based on a, you know, a true story. There was a book called Immodest Acts, The Life of a Lesbian Nun in Renaissance Italy, which this is based off of. Um, so yeah, it's based off of uh, Benedetta Carlini, who was a nun in the 17th century, who joins a uh, Italian convent and she's kind of like 
I don't know, the, the person that runs the, the show there. And she's having dreams or like visions of Christ and they're very horny visions of Christ uh, as uh, seen in the film. And she, you know, claims to um, speak with Christ and that Christ speaks through her. Um, and then she also has a lesbian love affair with someone else, another nun in the convent. Um, I really like this. I don't think I liked it as much as L cause it's a little more goofy, I guess, but, um, I don't know. It's really fun. It is a very horny movie for sure. There are some, um, steamy scenes with the nuns and there is some, there's some good, um, good genre stuff in it. It's, uh, not super violent, but there's, there's a little bit of that in it. It's kind of, kind of pulpy. Um, it looks pretty good. You could tell like, it's not a huge budget, but um, it looks good. There's some like CGI stuff, um, which I actually didn't hate um, in this, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's really good. Well, you know, Paulie V, he is, uh, he's one of those directors that it took culture a little bit, but they discovered yeah. he is a fucking genius. And yeah, it's almost so that I remember being at the Alamo and um, one of our uh, regular uh, hosts, uh, Jesse Hawthorne, was doing Midnight for Maniac and uh, they had a whole Verhoeven run. Mm -hmm. And I remember mm -hmm. being in the lobby and we were talking about how we were going to see Showgirls. And I I can't remember who we were talking to, but they're like, really, why? And we're like, instantly when you have that kind of interaction, you go... Okay, well, let me tell you why, why this is a great movie. And we start, and he went, no, no, no. Uh, everybody knows it's great. We just, it's kind of trite it's, now. Yeah. And it's like weird. It's so weird to think that you go from like the rediscovery of like, wow, RoboCop's a brilliant movie mm -hmm. to like the point where you're like, yeah, we all know what, what now. Yeah. And, you know, his last film, what was the, what was the French movie that I absolutely loved? L. L. Oh, yeah. man. Fucking it is crazy how he was like a, uh, you know, like an action filmmaker in Hollywood or in America and how he's pretty much like a, like an art house filmmaker. Like L was like very critically acclaimed, like played can and all that. Benedetta is kind of like on the same thing. I don't know if it played as many festivals just cause it like COVID stuff. Um, I think this was supposed to come out like two years ago, but he's like a, he's like an art house imagine? director now. He has like books on the history of Christ and shit that he's written. Oh, am okay. I right? Am I wrong on this? I don't I know. I think so. I, I was listening like to a podcast <laughs> of people talking about uh, Benedetta and Verhoeven. And yeah, I think it's a, uh, I don't know. I think he's interested in, in the subject. Well, he's definitely like an intellectual and he's got a great mind for like. It'd be badass if he were completely disinterested in it and still <laughs> like made like wild, passionate movies that with like super complex nuances and shit. He's just like, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Well, one of uh, our first guests on the show, Kaja Ram, uh, he, uh, Kaja, you know, not to get too into his personal life, but he had taken a class on uh, the Bible as literature. And I've wow, always talked, he's my spilling tea here. He's he took been, a class. <laughs> yeah, he took a class. He's <laughs> been my uh, personal theologian who I uh, ask about like stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he went and saw it last night. He invited me and Oksana, but we were wrapped up Hell in yeah. our 12 hours of D and D actually adventure of conqueror King for those who care. And I couldn't go. And the whole time I was like, I know fucking Randy's going to watch it. And I really wish I could talk about it. But he said he thought there was incredible comedy in it. And I'm like, what a it's weird... It's funny, for sure, yeah. I, I knew it was going to be horny because, you know, every non-American, they're not, they're not repressed like we are about, like, the nipple. But yeah. on top of that, 
I want to know how it deals with like nunsploitation and how does it live in that subgenre? And Brandy, I'm sorry. I think so, yeah. You're just not the one to go to to talk about. You've probably seen Miss 45, right? I've seen Miss 45. I think I was looking at the nunsploitation like Wikipedia page earlier. I think that's the only one I've seen, but I would, uh, you know, consider it nunsploitation for at least part of it, for sure. Yeah, I think when you when you veer into like copious amounts of nudity, it will become nunsploitation no matter what. Except yeah. I should mention nuns. Have you seen the movie The Nun? No. It's like an, what's it about? It's an oh, <laughs> take a guess, dude. You'll never know. Ghosts. I'll tell you now, non-ironically, very short. I promise. The Nun. Uh, is who's in that? Is it Audrey Hepburn? Who's who's the actress? You're not so not the 2018. No, 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 it's an older film. That's what I thought thought too. Yeah, the Flying Nun. Not the Flying Nun. It's not Whoopi Goldberg. Audrey Hepburn did do a nun movie. Okay, it was Audrey Hepburn. Now this movie is about a girl in uh, her early 20s who's going off and she wants to join the convent, Mm -hmm. and uh, she joins and she kind of gives up everything. She has a boyfriend and they send her out to Africa and she's doing like hard work for the Lord. And I don't mean that ironically. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, by the end of the film, when she's done. And she takes off uh, her habit. What is is that? What nuns wear? Mm-hmm. Um, her hair is gray. And I had like right now I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. I had one of the most like emotional reactions to a movie that I just got kind of got caught up in. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was a profound moment. That's pretty cool that somebody gave. And uh, it's a spoilers, long. Though. It's spoilers, but our audience is stupid. Come They're on, not going to go watch a goddamn piece <laughs> not, of work like not the nun. now that it's spoiled. <laughs> Call me Clark. I don't care. You know, watch it. It's I already fucking did. good. I have done that. Yeah. The the journey she goes through and at the end and how uh, fulfilled she might feel, but how you as an audience member might be screaming, you missed out on everything. Beautiful film. Also not nunsploitation. I just had to, I had to mention that. It's called The Nun Story. The Nun Story. Thank I you. I did find another hmm. movie called The Nun from 2013, mm-hmm. who, which has uh, Isabella... Hubbard in it? Yeah, Isabel oh, Hubert from L. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know, we were flipping through the images on um uh Amazon or on IMDb, and one of them looked like it was fucking taken right out of the Ken Russell Lair of the White Worm. Oh hell yeah. With Jesus on the cross. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Do yeah. we get a little surreal in here, Randy? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm in. I'm excited. Too bad it's yeah, only she clean. has like a she has like visions of you know of Christ and stuff. So there's sort of these like Kind of surreal moments, too. Love it. All right, I'm done. I promise. Besides that, I'm uh, just going to tease that I will be seeing um, Red Rocket tomorrow. Oh, fuck The new Sean Baker film. Nice. Uh, At the Plaza in Atlanta, they were doing a free screening. I believe it's on 35 mil. Um, So, yeah, I luckily got tickets to that. So I will probably be ruining that movie before anyone else sees it, too. (laughs) Randy, again, in case you didn't hear me, fuck you, dude. I heard you. Okay. <laughs> you can say it again, though. Dude, man, am I going to have to move to the East Coast to get a fucking good theater? I, dude, I guess. I, I don't so know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> thank well, you. I, thank you, Balboa. I know, right? Uh, thank Balboa. you, R.I.P. the Lumiere. R.I.P. the Red Vic. R.I.P. What else am I missing? There's so many goddamn the AMC things. AMC Van Ness, but they didn't really. Yeah, the Roxy. The Bal- we got a lot of great stuff. I, I think a- I still have a Roxy membership that is <laughs> hasn't <laughs> lapsed yet. You gave us a bunch of free passes, by the way. So if anybody wants to hang out at the Roxy, you know, hit us up. I can't get Charlie to come out on a date with me. Otherwise, uh, I don't, I don't leave my apartment. I know. And thank you for coming out here. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, that's my pleasure. My pleasure. But I really, I don't leave my apartment. All right, Randy, you done? You got more? I'm done. All right. Charlie, you want to? Uh, can I throw it to you? Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about, uh, can yeah. we talk about sand? So you mentioned old earlier and mm-hmm. uh, battle on the beach in a kind of Benjamin Button defeats uh, time kind of way by teaming up with bicentennial man yeah exactly i can't forget robin williams can't now i asked you i I asked every guest host if there's something they wanted to talk about that i could watch yeah and uh you all hit me with something and i was very like excited well i noticed that you weren't excited about one of the titles and you just i gave you two you did and you and you didn't address one of them at all. I you know, and you address the other one, saying like, "Oh, I'll do this one." But then there's another. There's another one, which I mean, we'll get to this. This is just like a tease for like five hours from now. When okay, we talk good. About it, so don't worry about it. We're going to focus on the one that you did. Now, here's the thing: I did have a slight amount of anxiety because I woke up today and went back and looked at him. Like, oh, fuck! He recommended another movie. I did the thing. Oh, so we were we were sitting down playing Adventure of Conqueror King, and I was just looking at the previews on it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh shit! He recommended something. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I went in there like that said hey i'm gonna no. watch it yeah that's how I, then, that's why i work on instagram too same no yep. no trouble so then i woke up today and i'm like oh fuck I'm, I'm like i wonder what the other movie was like anyway we're talking about the one that i watched yeah, yeah yeah which is uh the sand from 2015 now the way that charlie pitched it to me is he said do you want to watch a beach kill a seagull in uh the exact kind of film i look for on tubi and yeah i was like oh yeah, yes i do I wanted to keep with the bird theme. I wanted to jump on the Tubi, who I'm a fan of, also local company. Shout out to Tubi. And Charlie, I was not prepared. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect combo with Tangled Web. And I say that because Tangled Web is a movie that everything everything felt like it could have worked, except it was missing something. Mm. And the beach, or this, I always call it the beach. Dude, so I looked for it. the beach. It's because the it's sand. The tagline is, this beach is killer. No, is it's because one? they're on a if beach. If it were called the beach, it would have been, the tagline would have been, this sand is <laughs> fucked up. No, dude. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not It's not like they're not on a beach. It's not like it's like the sand and they're in a desert. They're I, on a yeah, beach. Yeah. <laughs> so I kept looking for it. And I, dude, I've made that mistake like five times in between yeah. now and earlier. And so it, the sand is a movie. They're doing everything right, mm-hmm. except you look at the script and you're like, who wrote this thing? And I, so here, so the sand, um, we open up and actually it's kind of in world camera. We're at a yes. spring break si- type of party. Yeah. You know what? Let me read the what a, um, synopsis. Kind of like my one line would be for it, that it starts out as kind of a, a riff, a cheap riff on the Spring Breakers narrative setup that transitions very suddenly into a kind of an almost lifeboat-esque eco-horror um, tale. No, for dude. You just, you you've just nailed wake up it. and now you're in a situation and there's no, there's no going back and there's not a lot of paths forward and everyone's kind of stuck. Well, it's kind of so... Um, because the beach is fucked up. Again, to mention one of our close friends and earliest guest, Kaja, uh, when we were hanging out, we we like to do what Nick Nordlinger was talking about last week. And we like to like kind of identify our subgenres in the horror umbrella. And one that um, we noticed was diodramas. That's what we called them. We have a cast of people kind of trapped in an area. And there's usually like a host character, like Saw kind of started this thing. But there's like, 
There's been a bunch of them. It never really caught on, but you'd have like a group of strangers in a room and then a slasher would come in and be like, every well, five minutes, a, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, old, old, that's kind of like, they used to be old Dark House movies. Yeah. That's what it would be when Agatha Christie was doing them and shot. It, um, post like 90s though, they mm. they introduced like a singular antagonist mm. element and kind of like, much like the dark house thing, you have to figure out who people are and why you're there and the connective tissue. And, yeah. and this one is that yeah. mixed with Netflix is uh, the floor is lava. <laughs> Everybody's oh, okay. favorite game nice. show. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. dude, uh, here, here's not what it says. Backstabbing in that game show. But, no, not uh, enough, but, it, but it's an okay. It's an okay. And, product. uh, IMDB, the synopsis there is after an all night graduation beach party, a group of hungover 20 somethings awake to, to a beating sun and a seemingly carnivorous beach that devours anything within a heartbeat that touches the sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, now, uh, yeah, that's, that is, that's what the sand does, man. Yeah. Now I, you, what you didn't tell me about the sand, mm-hmm. uh, one that it opened up with in world camera. I where, wanted to leave that as a surprise for you. So yeah. we're, we're running around and, uh, we're just kind of getting kind of, uh, it's very voyeuristic. It almost feels like girls gone wild where it's like, Hey, come on, give me something. And a girl will like pull her nipple out. Yeah. And uh, the thing that I love the most is that the host of the party is just Mitchell. Pulls that, just pulls that single nipple right out. <laughs> she did. Not the rest of anything else. Nope, either. not it. Like straight up, ju- not even the areola. And Literally she, just the nip. Which is funny because now the Went whole. Went in there with a scalpel around the <laughs> Dude, bikini. <laughs> the whole theme of this party is Vegas rules. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the phones. We're throwing them in a bag. We're locking yeah. them up. Because what right. happens tonight stays here yeah. tonight. And nothing says Vegas atmosphere like a dark beach. <laughs> <laughs> with a bonfire. And it's funny because we learn all this through the camera that's still on the floor. Yeah. And it's cool because all the characters point it out. Like, wait, why do you have a camera? Yeah. And they're just kind of like, shut up. And it's like, okay, <laughs> cool. And we, we, we lead through this. Now the footage ends where they're, the fire is dying and they need wood. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Hey, we got something which only can be described as a slimy oh, boulder. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? Where did they find that? It looks like they pulled it out of goddamn clover field or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah. And they throw this shit on the fire. They went and found like one of Cthulhu's testicles and just like yeah. fucking. They're like, eh, maybe this will burn. We it's, don't got nothing. And they else. like even comment like, oh, it's pretty slimy. <laughs> oh, this is so gross, oh. dude. So while while we're getting these like highlights of the crazy beach party, it cuts to like somber morning on the beach, but nobody's in frame. It's just kind of like it's there, and it cuts back, and they're like, yeah, we get backflip guy. Dude, backflip guy is probably my favorite character in the beginning. There's a circle around him, is and everybody's he cheering. Does a backflip? Well, he runs, and uh, somebody puts a little. They clasp their hand together. He sticks his foot in it, and he yeah. does a backflip, and everybody fucking goes crazy. So then he turns around, he jumps up on a car, does a backflip off the car. Dude, people love backflip guy. Anyway, in the morning, we wake up and uh, the party's over, and it appears everybody's gone. And uh, our our protagonist at this point is a uh, girlfriend of the other popular cool guy who was seen kissing another girl the night before. But Vegas rules, you know, so bygones be bygones. She woke up with the thing that I am going to grief you on not telling me. Okay. She was sleeping on a male who seemed to have a, he looked great at night, but in the morning he looked a little rough. Okay. Do you know who he is? Oh God. Was that I, Paul Bettany? No, <laughs> his name. No, I don't know. Mitchell Musso. Okay. Uh, 
AKA the best friend of Hannah Montana through all of the Hannah Montana series. Oh, this is where he ended up. This is not where I expected this to end up either. <laughs> no, I now again, I feel like I'm saying non-ironic or not, mm. but I non-ironically watched a lot of Hannah Montana. Got it. And, uh, yeah, Mitchell Musso. I was wondering whatever happened to him. That's interesting. Yeah. Pop also, this is his lowest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> That's messed up. Also, it's fucking wrong <laughs> because even though I'm coming in here with a lot of levity, I non-ironically, there we go. I fucking really like this movie. Yeah. No, this one surprised me uh, in a lot of ways. Um, like facets of it that that were really interesting. Like the like the the beach uh, entity. That's that's like reaching up through the sand and, and hurting people and doing bad stuff to them is represented quite frequently by these like wriggling little almost anemone like um, tentacles. And I do really like the the animation on on those small tendrils. Mm-hmm. If you look up the director of the sand, his first thing that he ever did in, in getting a Hollywood credit is as like a, a modeler on James and the giant peach. Oh, so this guy comes from a, from an animation background in some ways. And the project that he's working on right now, I think is a live action animated hybrid, or at least is billed as such on IMDb. Um, dude, it's interesting because yeah. I remember looking him up earlier and he only has, um, seven director credits. Did you but- see, did you see the first short? No, the the people watching one. I was thinking that it's not it's not nonfiction. I don't think. I, th- I mean, it is nonfiction. I think. Yeah. But it's but it's shot just in San Francisco. Oh, what? so he has a locally shot short film. Um, that's about like voyeurism in the tenderloin. In the tenderloin. Okay, wait. People watching here. Uh, IMDb from a bedroom window. A voyeur watches the people who live and pass through the corner of Sixth and Market Street in San Francisco's grittiest neighborhood, the Tenderloin. Shot in true guerrilla style over the years of 1998 and 1999, it predates classic years. It predates reality television, except and, for the real world, and simply <laughs> presents reality: a woven cloth of short stories that tell themselves what the f- we gotta talk yeah, to so this dude here's the thing is that i uh i i, I don't i i i'm i don't want to sound like i'm talking to him now but like I, we might be because the guy he's not he's not he's not a you know he's more in the david lynch mode where he might just like fly up uh so i looked i looked him up on 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 social media and uh he's he's not pulling numbers he yeah. might he might be reachable maybe or maybe he's really mean maybe you try to reach out to him <laughs> and we'd be like no i don't want to talk about my movie nobody can talk about the sand again um a little behind the curtain here knock on wood for this one everybody listening everybody we've talked to has been pretty cool i know we've we've retread that before but i i just want to say it again in like the five years of doing this we've only we've only had a couple awkward interactions and honestly, it's probably our fault. So again, everybody's been super fucking cool. I think this is his first, well, first movie since people watching that he directed first feature. Yeah. So Isaac, dude, he's got 75 art, uh, credits for film. So the, I mean, he's a veteran. And again, this movie is fucking self-aware. So when our lead character and Mitchell Musso walk out, yeah, they look down. The only people left are there's a car, a convertible, where there are four people sleeping like they were on a road trip and pulled over mm-hmm. and just fell asleep. Yeah. Which just did not ring organic to me, but I loved the way it looked. And then we have another character who is probably the largest person on that beach mm-hmm. who passed out on the sand. They drew a dick on his face, an, a very artistic and well done dick, I should so add. That dick was okay. 
What? And it was, I mean, would I, I, I say it's in like the top percentile of, of drawn on dicks that I've seen? No. It's upside Were there veins drawn? Were there veins? I drawn? think there was hair. There was curvature. There might there have been was hair. Ballage. There was curvature. It was not this, the normal. I don't think there were veins. I think that's what's missing. Dude, the angle, the angle was a unique angle. Also, it had direction. Like, what, like a unique, what angle, like what <laughs> number, what degrees? It's upside down. It, so it angled, uh, it was giving him like a chin strap. Like it was almost like, uh, you know, a parody for facial hair. It was oh, honestly, okay, I think okay. it was a class critique. Nice. But. Well, the, this, fil- the film is because, uh, again, as, as Norlinger was, you know, saying and stuff, uh, there's, yeah, there's this character who is, but you're about to get to it. He, yeah. He wakes, he, when he wakes up, he finds himself that he's been like mega pranked. They stuffed him in a goddamn <laughs> oil and like an empty oil drum or an empty yep. trash can on the beach. And so if the beach all around you is super killer and you're stuck in an oil drum, that's both bad and good because the beach isn't killing you. That's good. But it's bad because your body is like atrophying like pretty quickly. Yeah. And, um, but the, the other kind of central sociological thing going on here with class critique is the, mm-hmm. the intrusion of law enforcement oh, yeah. into the film where Jamie Kennedy pops Jamie up as, Kennedy. as a bad <gasps> beach cop and just says like, huh. Your problems aren't real. I'm the beach cop, and I know that your problems don't exist. You're a bunch of stupid drug addict kids. I'm going to be super rude. No beach is ever going to kill me. I'm going to drop my <laughs> keys on this beach, shuffle my hand around in the sand. Oh, my God. Oh, there's the beach is so mean. The beach is fucking me up. Dude, spoilers. When the first... Uh, first foot hitches hits the sand. Yeah, that is one of the best comedic moments like I've seen in a long time. Because it's like actually the sand looks really fine. Like it looks like a pleasant beach to be on. Sand looks great, dude. It looks like a nice cat litter. It's very fine. Yeah. It wouldn't irritate your paws. And that's that diamond crystal brand that you can trust. There you go. Yeah. And <laughs> so we get a foot in there from a topless girl. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's just topless. She wakes up like this because you know Vegas rules. And she puts her foot in the sand and goes, oh, oh, and it straight up like will give you flashbacks to being five years old playing some like the floor is lava game, and. The thing is, they execute it, and the actors in this film, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. They're all good. There's a moment where the dialogue is so self-aware and comedically written, yet there are three people crying on camera. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, this movie's just fucking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The premise? It's a good, it's a good little Tubi treasure, man. Like, I watched all the commercials. Me you know, too. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I'm watching a Tubi movie that... that 15th commercial break hits you around 45 minutes God. in and you're like, you know what? Not worth it. I'll do something. I'll do anything else with my life this time. Absolutely not. I stuck through it. I watched those ads for different cell phone services and I don't know, dog food. I don't know what the ads were. I didn't watch them that Ours closely. Was like for uh, elder insurance. Or something. Yeah. Shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of insurance stuff. I, I um, do have a question though. IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes list this movie at an hour and 27 minutes. I did, The movie I watched was not an hour and 27, it's like I don't think. an hour and two minutes long. What? No. Yeah. It was an hour, wasn't it? No way. Was it an hour 27? It's like an hour 24. Oh, okay. I, now, I understand why you would think it's short. Just because, so breezy on that beach. It's incredibly breezy. No pun intended. Uh, this movie fucking moves, unlike our protagonists, who are trapped on their own little islands. <laughs> yeah. And... Now, I know you're probably thinking, no, you know, I should say it this way. It feels like this movie should be a sci-fi original, except that it's good and that there's actually gore. Now, the the little tapeworms that are the tendrils, 
they they occupy a kind of like a digital invasion where it's not brutal CGI, but it's that you're aware of it. Yeah. But they do a beautiful blend. Like they have CG blood that I actually was kind of like, Hey, if you're going to do CG blood, do that. That was the other thing that if, if I had given any other warning about or any other kind of like, you know, Oh, heads up, be, be wary of this. Cause I know that you have like CGI blood is not, yeah, yeah. not your favorite thing in the world. And this movie does go Dude. for big bursts of it. Yeah. But it's decent. I think it's a decent, nice, nice rich tone. We don't love here, here at the overlook hour podcast. Oh, the fire is the big we, one. We though, fucking right? hate the fire. I love a CGI fire. <laughs> now an invasive CGI antagonist animal. Those are really bad. Mm. Now the animals in this, what about like Clifford? The big red dog. Did you see that one? No. Okay, sorry. Not to go. Clark, Clark go almost on, go did. On, on. When he was in Mississippi, I was talking to him, mm-hmm. and I'm like, he was like, oh, they wanted to go see a movie, and I'm like, what I the could, hell? I couldn't. I couldn't get through. It made me too sad. Really? Yeah. Clifford's the. It's a downbeat for sure. It was the, the the puppy acted too much like a little puppy, and it just made it just like. Oh, they had a real dog. No, they, I mean CGI dog, but it acted like a real, <laughs> acted like a real puppy and stuff, and it just it bummed me out. I just I love the idea of you getting sentimental with the CGI dog. Yeah, well, I mean that's it, why we love you. That's 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 the that's, that's my life is I like, <laughs> I like film theory and I like crying over CGI puppies. And you did up boof, top, boof, boof. you told me that the the sand was going to eat a bird. Yeah, at least one. I think it wound up eating two birds. So right, my favorite thing, it eats two birds, mm-hmm. but. The birds are always, they're omnipresent. They're in the background. Yes. And I'm like, oh, interesting touch. And my favorite thing, yep, there's a, they discover, they have a good idea. Actually, there's a lot of good a lot ideas. Of good ideas. The, yeah. The and characters are making good ideas. One of them was, decisions hey, relative uh, to their situation. There's a pack of hot dogs. I'm going to throw hot dogs around the beach and try and figure out how big this thing is. And astutely, mm-hmm. one of the people in the car goes, Hey, we don't know how long we're going to be trapped here. That might be our only fucking food. And she's like, shut up. And she just keeps throwing the hot dogs. That's what I think is really genius. Is that like, is that a good idea? It's like, maybe it's half of a good idea. But what it really is, is a great movie thing to have happen. Is have your characters throwing hot dogs, get some shots of hot dogs landing on the beach in close up. Love a good hot dog slap in the sand. Now, like that's some good shit. There is a little bit of a gender bias here as our uh, Mitchell Musso butts in. And he's like, give it to me. We really need a guy to throw this hot dog. His first hot dog grabbed up by a seagull. Yeah, snatched right <laughs> out of the air by a hungry gull. And everybody's just so disappointed with him. And, you know, when I watched The Sand, I was like, I, I really like this. I like it a lot. So yeah. much so that I am suspicious because... I'm like, well, I'm a con man. What if this movie is trying to pull a con job on me and shit? And what if it's really just a shot for shot remake of, of like another evil sand movie? And so I went back and watched blood beach, which was kind of a post jaws killer beach movie. That is not as good as, as the sand, but you know, it has its merits too. I'm not going to get too in the weeds on it, except to say that blood beach has one hot dog that is tossed a kid is walking past some cops and he's like, Hey, I found some guy's wiener. And he like, <laughs> and he tosses a hot dog at one of the investigating officers. Um, and I'm like, well, that means if you're watching killer beach movies, you can either go with the one that yes, it's older, but they only throw one hot dog or you can go with the newer title that throws four hot dogs. Well, they're kind of doing a Sam Raimi, Wes Craven thing mm-hmm. with the Hills have eyes and yeah. evil dead yeah. where they're one up in each other with the, with the homage. Yeah. So now what we need is Blood Beach to come back yeah. and just throw a fucking, I don't know, barbecue pit yes. full of hot this dogs. Is a, this, that's probably the, the my biggest disappointment with old 
is that <laughs> Shyamalan is a filmmaker who has a good track record of, of having hot dogs in his movies. If you look at the happening, there's like a character whose most defining trait, he's like this hippie guy, but he's like, oh, hot. He's like, keeps on mentioning hot dogs or something. He's like offering people hot dogs. And you walk away from that movie and you go, I, I don't remember anything else about that movie except for the hot dogs. <laughs> That's how everyone felt about it. And so I'm like, well, obviously, after the runaway success of that character in The Happening, he has the beach here on old. He's probably going to include a lot of hot dogs. And my God, I swear to God, there wasn't a single fucking hot dog <laughs> in that whole movie. It was a fancy resort. Yeah. They didn't have hot dogs. They nope. had uh, customized cocktails and shit. But anyway. They this, probably had a vegan menu, those fucking that, heretics. That been, I mean, <laughs> they do vegan, they do vegan dog, hot dogs pretty good now. Um, I get the, what is it? It's either Beyond or Impossible. It's one of the two. It's one of the superlative ones. <laughs> yeah. um, but but it's, it's pretty good. I had a uh, Impossible Whopper again the other day. Oh it's my god! Pretty good. What was that like? They're good. What was the wait time <laughs> on that? Do they take longer to make the to make those out or get them to you fast as fast as? Oh, order? it was quick. It was a uh, drive-through situation yeah, dude, on my uh, lunch break. The Impossible Cow. The gestation period is really quick. Oh man, that just me. Um, I'm not thinking about Okja, and I'm going to cry again. <laughs> that little baby Okja didn't deserve none of that harsh treatment. Um, so yeah, the sand. Check it out on Tubi. Uh, for free. For free. Uh, there are some ads that gives you a, just a natural built-in pee breaks, is all those are. Or if you nice. spend those ads, you can look up different trivia about stuff, or you can just kind of pace around your apartment nervously. You can wonder <laughs> what your cat is up to. Uh, these <laughs> you, are universal things that everyone does. Reload on PBR like Randy. I'm currently out of booze. Do the Randy reload. Coming to you live. I got nothing. I like that. I like that as a bit. <laughs> the Randy <laughs> I do usually have a drink while we're recording the podcast, but I need to re-up. Well, it helps me get a little we'll loose, you we'll know. Wait. We have to we'll wait. <laughs> how far, Randy, I'm serious. How far, if, how long would it take you to like walk to a market, get a drink in return? Like estimated. Probably like 20 minutes. What time, how long are we on this? All right, the clock's going. The clock's going, man. <laughs> and we're at two hours. <laughs> we're, at, we're only at two hours. That means you have time to do this. Dude, Nick, we you went... Finish your beverage, even. Dude, we went 3.15, so we got, like, two more hours, Randy. Oh, so here's... Uh, oh, um, I have all these, like, notes on animal trainers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Balboa Theater is doing VHS Rewind tomorrow. They're showing Batman Returns. Wait, tomorrow, like, Monday? Tomorrow, like, Wednesday. Oh, good. You're a pro. I am on top yeah. of my calendar. The animal trainer for Batman Returns is the same animal trainer as Blood Beach. The cinematographer on Blood Beach also lends a making of doc of Batman Returns. So if you don't want to see wow. Blood Beach, and I can't blame you, and you've already seen The Sand, and you're like, well, what do I do now with my life? You can check out Batman Returns at the Balboa Theater. I don't know what time. It's on Wednesday. It'll be on VHS. So you're not going to see like the widescreen version of it, <laughs> and you're not going to get a lot of detail. The Blood Beach Animal Trainer was also, here's some cool shit, the Crow Wrangler on the Crow Whoa. had the ominous position of Animal Provider for <laughs> Dunstan Checks In, which is just like, you're not, you're not a trainer, you're not supervising anything, you're just, you're just like trafficking these animals yeah. to the Dunstan Checks In <laughs> production studio? That's fucked up. The Blood Beach Animal Trainer was also, last bit, but it ties into what we were talking about earlier with reality television. He was the animal trainer on The Last Starfighter, which is, I believe, the like it's the first and maybe only time that the creator of the Real Housewives franchise played an alien. What the fuck? 
Dude, can you produce this show? I am DB. I am DB. So yeah, uh, hot dogs. No, yes or no? What can produce, I produce the pr- show? Produce it. What's the uh, what's the pay? If, if okay, they won't if work you'll out. Give me the pay on mic right now, and you admit what the pay is. You pay you in hot dogs. It's <gasps> pretty good. And blessed be the overlook. <laughs> we'll talk about this hot dog matchup. Yeah. Um, can I talk about a film? Yeah, dude, it's your show. Oh, that's right. Fuck, I forgot. I'm hosting this goddamn <laughs> program. This is, this is this is what a good producer does: is they forget what they're doing during the show while they're recording it. Um, yeah, a good I, host takes a job as a producer and then feel it gives the vibe like he's about to quit on air. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that's that's the drama. That's the tension. Unless it's a trapeze act, if I if I if I, if, it, if it feels like nobody's soaring over a netless like floor and shit, like you know what's what's what's, what's going point? on here? What's yeah. where's the suspense? So when I first appeared on the Overlook Hour, uh, we, you were still recording in. The it wasn't a basement; it was an offshoot of a garage. Oh, it was our room. Yeah, room. yeah, yeah. yeah. You're recording in a room, and I was on episode 88. So we're talking over 200 episodes ago. Oh, shit. Um, Clark uh, recommended a movie called The Big Year <laughs> that I now finally watched. <laughs> Tight. Uh, and it's about bird watching. Oh, really? My gimmick used to be that I would that that. Um, I like had a bird watching app and that used to be my character on the overlook hour was that I was like a bird watching social media guy. <laughs> um, we called you the bird man. Yeah. yeah. If you ever I only ever knew. talked yeah. about it on that first appearance. And yeah. then every subsequent time you'd be like, Oh, we can't wait for his bird chat. And I have nothing to say about it because I'm not really a bird watcher. Um, so the big year is, uh, it's a, a, a very genial, uh, like, comedic film with Steve Martin, Jack Black, and Owen Wilson as three competing bird watchers who are all undergoing a kind of personal journey to see as many species of birds as they can in one single calendar year in North America. Uh, it's, it's like directed by the same cat who did uh, Marley and me and devil wears Prada. Uh, so, so if you're a crowd, you know, you're going to be pleased. <laughs> There's a theatrical and extended version uh, and I watched them both. The the differences mainly are that in the extended version, um, it's it's a, there's a narrator who kind of has this you know British nature authoritarian uh, authoritative perspective mm-hmm. on the introduction of the film. In the theatrical, it's Jack Black being like, huh, "I bet you're wondering uh, how crazy I am for being a bird watcher." Well, it's just a quirky hobby, and I'm a really real big cutie. <laughs> and and so there's like a, a different different vibe there. The extended edition, I think, uh, you know, gives gives you more of like uh, what the movie might really be going for, which is um, kind of like a, a funny little, almost uh, like loopy sat satire of other romantic comedy genre uh, tropes and styles and shit. Because all of these bird watching people are like fairly, you know, gentle. And they're they're non competitive, <laughs> and they're like they're striving yeah. for stuff that they know is both kind of like benign, but also self destructive. Like they're always ta- joking about how like their marriages are doomed because of the birds, <laughs> <laughs> and like they joke about it, be like, "Oh yeah, my marriage it was you know kind of the birds, but there was also a lot of other problems." Just kidding, it was the birds. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so, you know, the story has, it follows these three characters kind of lightly 
crossing paths on different bird watching trips really throughout an entire year. And they're keeping secret from each other that they're even doing this competition. It's kind of bad form to go out and say, I'm trying to do a big year. That's, that's not only braggadocious, it's making you a threat Oh, to win, right? <laughs> and they want to keep their threat level low. That way you don't have to see as many birds because no one's out there really trying to fucking top your number. Owen Wilson is kind of the big bad of the of the bird watching scene. He okay. has the, he has he holds the record. He's holding it down. He's like, I have six hundred eighty something. I'm just gonna go out there, make sure that no one is trying to do what I do, which is look and see that a bird is there. <laughs> but Jack Black is also good at seeing where the bird is, but he's also really good at hearing and knowing. Oh, I hear that sound. That's that bird. That's his like special like life hack. Oh, is that okay. he has a greater sense of bird call than any of the other birders that we see, except for perhaps Rashida Jones, um, who is kind of uh, his romantic pairing in the film, and they they their romance blossoms over uh, you know bird calls and bird identifications and such. Uh, oh, uh, spoilers! Owen Wilson's marriage is like wrecked through the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, oh God, I don't really have anything constructive to say about it myself. Um, the, the, the movie's fine. The movie could have been like, like a kind of an offbeat, almost Cohen-y, Cohen-y, like masterpiece of examining weird social circles, but it's a little like too res- reserved in how willing it's, uh, letting itself go off the beaten path of, oh. of, of humor stylization. Yeah. It's, it's very cozy and it's very gentle. Uh, I needed a little more like uh, comfort in being non-traditionally entertaining from it. I get it. You know, like it's, it's almost trying to, to make his moments like a little too big. There are some thematics about like the idea that these men, and sorry, I shouldn't, I, that's, that's ridiculous, but the movie is actually kind of like almost homosocial despite Rashidi Jones's presence. It doesn't depict a lot of women birders which is bizarre um, <laughs> because the birding community is, is not exclusively male dominated, but the film, the birding community. Really yeah. Is. And so it's trying, it's like, it gives all these um, kind of narrations from the British nature guy about migratory instincts and migratory impulses from birds, as well as these middle-aged white men. Weird. That both of them have these migratory, you know, yeah. and, um, and that when you, when you settle down, that's the end of your migratory compulsion or whatever. And that almost reminded me of like, do you ever see Little Children? No, with I don't Jack think so. Jackie Haley and Patrick Wilson and a, a bunch of other great, great actors, Kate Winslet. But that movie has like this kind of voice of God, droll, dry narration that treats these human melodrama subjects as if they were animals in a nature film. Oh. And this, this comedy does something similar, a little lighter. Um, but really all of this is just, is just like, something I want to kind of like take my hands on and shove and make a little side wipe out of here (laughs) to get to the real meat of what I've discovered about the discourse surrounding the big year, which is that when it came out and even before, actually the birding blog birder blog community had really taken to this film as a potential like source of new interest in birding. And also as a potential threat to the public perception of birders. And so, um, Oksana, um, uh, uh, data, <laughs> Mass, uh, commander, data, lieutenant, data. Uh, can, can you? Did you go to the ten thousand birds 
um, yes. link. Can you can you bring up that review? There's a review um, from the blog Ten Thousand Birds, contemporaneous with the release of the film, that I want to just read uh, the third paragraph from. Hold on, her computer's not hooked up to that monitor. What the? What the I know. Okay, wait. Wait. Can you send? Can, how yeah. does this work? Can you you could G chat it to me or something? I'm the producer. Oh, I should know this shit, but I don't. I'm bad <laughs> at my job. I have it pulled up. <laughs> okay um so basically i like why well, I, I just kind of googled like what do birders think about this movie i was really trying to find the source of this who did the cgi hummingbird in it but i couldn't really track down enough information about that it came up with a lot of results from different bird blogs discussing whether or not the movie was you know accurate or respectful generally the tones seem to be fairly positive um about like how <laughs> the, the, the movie wasn't like completely disrespectful or car- like too cartoonish about uh, birder culture and stuff, but there were some complaints. And I got I, it. I really, can I just can I, can we can we get it up here? I don't know why I just need to do this on my phone. I have because <laughs> I want it. I want it. I want it to be in the room. I want it to be big. Get to number. Get to number three. I want for this. Is all this is by Corey. The reviews by Corey. There are fifty comments on this review, which if you've ever written a film review on a website with comments. And you can get 50 of them. You're doing something right. Yeah, right. So number, number, number three, don't, we're going to skip past of what he liked. He liked the stuff that was nice. Okay. I I love this man's complaints about bird, bird or representation here. If you need, move that monitor so you can read about it. I got it. I have, I have, oh man, I have 2020 vision and damn it. There is a real housewives tagline that starts (laughs) off like that. And I was going to pull it out and it was going to be really cool but I didn't watch enough Beverly Hills to be able to memorize it. Okay. This paragraph, and that's a generally positive reviews review here. What didn't I like? I didn't like all the things the movie got wrong. (laughs) Who can focus entirely on a movie and suspend their disbelief when what they are watching is riddled with errors. Oh no. And the big year is loaded with mistakes, misrepresentations and misconceptions. Sure. Some are done in in an attempt to get laughs or for plot purposes, (laughs) but the movie would have been much better if it were more accurate. Examples? The person, (laughs) and this is where it just starts getting really funny to me, because like, because if you're watching this movie and it's just like a general, like fucking comedy about a specific subculture. And so they're kind of just like explaining stuff kind of like down the middle for an audience to fucking have a certain amount of buy-in. (laughs) and this guy's like super pissed about it examples the person who wins a big year competition is not the best birder in the world (laughs) like it's just like it's just a funny thing to say that owen wilson's the best birder in the world it's very silly semicolon fallout is not a situation where a cloud of birds hovers in the air for apparently hours they gotta film a scene They got to have the audience know that the scene is going to be filmed and then they're going to film the people looking at the birds. That's just how they're going to do it, man. (laughs) Semicolon. Late in a North American big year, no one but the most incompetent birders are excited about adding Sandhill Crane. (laughs) Sandhill Crane, Sandhill, Sandhill Crane, along with all bird species are bolded in the review. (laughs) Semicolon. Birders do not stand around trying to stump each other by making bird calls. <laughs> Which is like an adorable thing that Tim Blake Robinson and Rashida Jones do in the movie. It's 
wonderful that that these that their little again movie characters <laughs> are doing stuff that's fun to see and to hear. <laughs> Semicolon. No birders run up to a spot, throw their binoculars to their eyes, spot a bird, and then run on seemingly at random. Which is just kind of uh, v- visualizing the idea that, yeah, you know, they have to see a lot of species. They're running from place <laughs> to place. They got to get it in time. That's like one of the funny bits of a comedy. It's just like if you were like, oh, no baker would <laughs> would try to lift that much dough and swirl it around and have it plop on top of their head and then make a big frowny face <laughs> and then say, whoopsie doodle. This is a very serious. Thought. Okay. Uh, is there another semicolon? Semicolon. There is no motel adjacent to the Brownsville dump. <laughs> and when f- birders <laughs> bird that dump, they do not stand around in garbage up to their knees. Semicolon. And neither pink-footed geese nor Swainson's hawks show up on a mountain in Colorado in the middle of winter. Now, that complaint about the pink-footed goose in the mountaintop spring is, actually appears in almost every single birder review of the movie. Because it is kind of like a big climactic, um, like, that's like one of the last birds that they get logged. Mm-hmm. Is this rare go- pink-footed goose, which should be seen in warm climates, or... Maybe not even that. Maybe just in like areas that aren't Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Basically, is the idea. But like everyone's super pissed about it. Period. There is no reason for a movie to get basic things about birds and birding wrong unless no real effort is made to get things right. And I, they're not. They're not that mad. But it's really funny to imagine that they're just like, dude, they're, they're that mad. The I don't know that they are. Look at what they liked. Go, go up on. They because I, I just, I just threw this guy under the bus. Let's go up and look what they oh, want. You, you want to bring them back. You want to <laughs> redeem them. What did I like? This is the paragraph before. <laughs> I love the scene where the character played by Steve Martin looks at a hummingbird with wonder in his eyes. I thought the scene where the character played by Jack Black and his father find a great gray owl in the woods was touching. Some of the interactions between Jack Black and Steve Martin were great. And, you know, it goes on like that. You know, he likes the performances and the interplay between, like, people in the hobby and people outside the hobby, where the people outside the hobby will go like, ugh, you like looking at birds? You must be a little, little wuss. And then uh, Steve Martin will go like, hmm, actually, it's called birding, and it's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> he, he only gives it a B minus uh, in the review, though. He says a solid B minus. I can't tell if, if the solid thing is being sarcastic there. Um, sorry, sorry, scroll down, scroll down. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else funny. Uh, to sum up, if you are a birder, go see this movie because it is the last time for a very long time that a major studio will make a movie about birding. We'll see. It's only been a decade. There's time. Uh, yeah. If you are not a birder, there is no reason to see this movie at all. <laughs> Harsh incredibly harsh. Corey is a New Yorker who lived most of his life in upstate New York, but has lived in Queens since 2008. He has only been birding since 2005, but has garnered a respectable life list by birding whenever he wasn't working as a union representative or spending time with his family. He lives in Forest Hills with Daisy and Desmond Shearwater. His bird photographs have appeared on the Today Show in Birding, Living Bird Magazine, Birdwatcher's Digest, and many other fine publications. He is also the author of the American Birding Association Field Guide to the Birds of New York. Whoa. 50 comments. In order... Read out loud. No, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, these people have so many bird avatars. Dude, you know, this is like a thing, though. Like, yeah. 
like whenever a movie no, just like, yeah. kind of like penetrates a little like niche community, mm-hmm. it's sensitive. It's a, it's raw yeah. nerds all the way around. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you are the only representation that we think people are going to know Yeah. and you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And the minute you started reading it, you reminded me of a movie that Severn's putting out that I'm very excited to get mm-hmm. called Night of the Demon, which is about a Bigfoot slasher. So the movie opens with a Bigfoot print yeah, and it pulls with blood. And from that minute on, like, it's not a slasher film with Bigfoot. It's, it's a Bigfoot film. It's a Bigfoot exploitation. Mm. And Bigfooters do not like that movie. Now, um, shout out to the Severn podcast who talked about it. Yeah. They gave it kind of a positive spin. Mm. But when I was at Bigfoot Bonanza year one Uh-oh. at the only midnight showing, and I will tell you all the Overlook crowd, we're the only ones that stayed for this movie. <laughs> we had a fucking fantastic time in that theater. And uh, we got the real tea on it. And the Bigfoot community, not happy with that film. Uh And instantly I was getting, I was getting that vibe where it's like, they have this existential threat that nobody can sympathize with, especially because after hearing you talk about this movie, that birding community is cutthroat. I I, I don't want to give that impression. There is something really uh, kind of cool about how the birder community still uses the honor system to this day for their count. And in the film, it actually comes up as a point that even the antagonist, Owen Wilson, who's, who's the, the Billy Mitchell of this world of getting your bird score up, uh, is shown to have an opportunity to be dishonest about whether or not he clearly heard a distinct species that would give him another one on the list. This kind of casual birder is like, Hey man, I heard that. I'm going to put it on my list. And Owen Wilson is like, Hmm, wasn't clear enough for me. And I am a man of honor and I will not put it on my list. And then like Steve Martin is overhearing this and is like, I've misjudged you, Owen Wilson, though you are my rival, you are an honorable one. And we might hug if there was a third, even longer edition of this movie. But in this version, (laughs) we don't hug. We, we kind of get along ish ish almost kind of now honestly i think that's fucking cool yeah and so, I, and so I, yeah so i don't want to throw the birder community under the bus because again they'll come and pick my eyes out well uh, honestly you know i wanted to jump in there and ask you is the whole point of this movie that there's a bad guy who cheats no because that i mean from the outside looking no. in you're like well, oh how the fuck does anybody so, know okay, full fucking spoilers here owen wilson's character retains uh his his title in his record yeah um, but Jack Black and Steve Martin both go through like little nice little life and they form a friendship and it's really kind of this friendship romance between Jack Black and Steve Martin where they're on the phone with each other at the end and they're like, oh, man, those are, we got we had really good numbers. You know what? We won. <laughs> Owen Wilson may have may have seen more birds, but we won, you know? Yeah. No matter what. Dude, I mean, it's and I'm like, moments. oh, that's, that's pretty charming. I mean, dude, honestly, you've completely warmed me up to this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I thank you for finding this bizarre review. Yeah. And as- can, we, can we get one more uh, web report about the big year then? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Did you read any of these comments? No. Are they fucked up? Okay. Oksana, go ahead and read us your favorite. Yeah. Please. Uh-huh. Please, please, please. Okay, so the beginning of Jeffrey Gordon's review says, Hi, Corey. Nice job. I know that I've perhaps seemed to overpraise the film on the ABA blog and on Bird Chat, but that's mostly because I do think we can use it as a bit of recruitment of a recruitment tool, or at least as a conversation opener. Look or- at Jeffrey Gordon's like wonderful <laughs> smile. Yeah, I would trust that man. But if you scroll up, someone's username is Birder Murder Mama. 
Okay, where's where's murder, murder, mama? Yeah, we gotta get her on the show. That's too bad that you didn't like the movie, but there were sure to be some flaws, as most people in Hollywood probably find it hard to believe that people will spend their free time searching for birds. <laughs> I think the big year still has the potential to get more people interested in birding and other bird-related hobbies. What the fuck are the other ones? <laughs> Even if it is just reading a series of books about birds, like my birder murder mysteries. <laughs> what? <laughs> She, wait, so she came we're, in. We're interviewing her, though, so right? So she came in, and murder, I thought, Birder, murder, mama. She's the most level-headed. Like, yeah. clearly, Birder, murder, mama's got the voice no, of reason. Got, she got plugs. And then it turned into a fucking humble brag plug. Wow, Birder, murder, you stabbed a back in, a knife in my back. Good, I love a good murder. That's good. Birder, so, uh, hold on. I, I, have a, I have an interesting uh, tangent right here. Mm-hmm. So, I'm currently, the book I'm reading right now, to complete my goal of 20 for this year, yeah. is a uh, collection of Harmony Korean scripts. Now, Ooh. volume one opens with uh, his first fe- feature, Jokes, which has two short films. Now, one of the shorts has a bird character. There's a parakeet. Now, I, the reason I wanted to read this book was I, yeah. I was curious of how Harmony Kareen had like scripted Gummo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you. He fucking just scripted the whole movie. Okay. So now I have a new appreciation where he just gets good actors and they feel so lived in that you you don't think, you know, these words are written on the page. Yeah. But like, he does. Interesting. And he actually scripted for the parakeet. Ooh. And I, I just I was thinking, how do you do that? Like the parakeet says, like Miriam, cheap, cheap. Where have you been? Where have you been? Oh, oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Miriam, where have you been? Where have you been? And then she she answers kind of annoyed. Uh, mm. She's a blind girl who's trying to get lessons at a ballerina school. Yeah, and the bird has another line, and I'm like, is there people out there who train parakeets to, or do you vo it? And I just thought this would be the perfect question for you. What is the answer? Dude, I don't have birds. <laughs> I've never, I've never had a pet bird. Um, I don't know much about the the training of them for for features. I was thinking that you might know. Uh, well, because I was thinking that you had seen the thing. No, it doesn't go into that. Okay. Uh, actually, the whole like there's an intro written by Harmony Kareen mm-hmm. that's kind of deadly serious and written very intellectually, but it's all about how you shouldn't take them seriously. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. wow, you did it. You've confused me right off the bat. <laughs> but yet I am sure that you are a, a genius. You're a great artistic mind. And my first pet, a parakeet, a little blue parakeet. I named Lucy. Ooh. And uh, she did talk. And I, the only thing I know is that you're supposed to leave them in the kitchen. The, 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 okay. Can we get that second one on screen, please? Yeah. So um, before the big year was released, uh, it went through an, an, an audience test screening process, and uh, there are those of us who may have been on the web for way too long and kind of remember, like, back in the day where, like, really shitty websites, like, Ain't It Cool News and shit, would kind of get reports from different test screens of films that that nerds were interested in and whatnot. And, you know, the report would be like, oh, this is, there's this going on in it, and there's this other aspect that may be infuriating or really delightful or whatever. And somebody had gotten into like a New York test screen of the big year and reported back to the bird blogosphere about it. Oh my! And I God. just want to read a little bit of what the reports were about this earlier version of the film that. So I, th- I think like when I'm saying like, oh, this film, you know, doesn't go far enough in some places or it feels like it's humor is compromised. I don't mean at the level of like shooting. I really think that this film was sabotaged in post. 
um, by like monstrous marketing forces who are trying to make it less cool and more uh, like something that you might be able to actually earn $17 million at the box office rather than three. Okay. Give me stall for me a little bit more. Okay. Now the thing is, so I think we all need to take some time right now to appreciate what I found. I figured out what I did wrong. God damn it. What fan support can do for properties. Um, a, a lot of people will say like, Oh, 2021's big, big fan wave was some superhero stuff getting made. No, the 2021 fan community that really made a difference this year was the, the universal global support for the original design of the Philly fanatic, which is returning uh, to baseball this year. Uh, no longer will we have a Philly fanatic design that had like stupid little dragon scales under its wings and like a weird extra uh, plume on its butt and different colored eyebrows and different colored shoes. The original fanatic design is back in operation, lighting up a Christmas tree, dancing on top of a fire truck, swinging its little belly, pretending to polish <laughs> the heads of bald men, doing all sorts of tricks and, and pranks. Do we have it up? Swinging its belly? <laughs> yeah. We'll watch fanatic footage later. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is from December 1st, 2010, um, uh, about half a year before the year film is to be released, uh, where this, this bird blogger is like, ah, I've been tracking down information about the big year, trying to make sure it's going to be okay. First, let's clear up some gossip that was making the rounds on the bird festival circuit this fall. <laughs> Number one, the movie will open July 4th, blah, 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 uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and okay, and they got the secret call from someone that they're going to they're going to call henchman henchman writes i just saw the movie the big year in nyc it was a focus group i never heard of the movie prior to tonight and i know nothing about birding steve martin was at the showing if Whoa. you'd like to ask me questions i'd be happy to answer i googled the movie and saw your website <laughs> which is like a fucking like screen life found footage yeah uh, kickoff right here and uh, then they, they go down. And this is my favorite. Number two. This rumor is a doozy. Deborah Shearwater of Shearwater Journeys is suing the production company over something to do with the film. Most likely her portrayal in the movie by Angelica Houston. Update. Not true. <laughs> I sent Debbie a message telling her what I had heard. According to Debbie, there is no chance of this rumor being true. <laughs> cool okay <laughs> i'm glad they i'm glad they kept it all up okay now number three is going to be i think the the report from the thing mm -mm. henchman describes the movie as an informational dramedy sure <laughs> they said the birds looked real except for one owl that appeared to be cgi which means that they either had not included the cgi hummingbird subplot yet or that it was still in an early enough stage or like, or this person just sucks at identifying CGI because there's this kind of like uh, subplot in the first half of the film about a hummingbird making its migration over thousands of miles. And during the fallout sequence, like Jack Black and Steve Martin are running around like smiling and saying, Oh, there's a bird. And then like, um, or oh, there's a hummingbird. And then the narrator goes, in fact, that's our hummingbird that we've been following. And it, you know, zooms in on the little hummingbird. Oh my shit, God. Uh, to kind of wrap it up. Uh, they mentioned that Jim Parsons plays a blogger um, <laughs> who tracks the three main characters. And this is what I'm thinking that his part must've gotten cut significantly. I think he has about eight seconds of screen time in the film. <laughs> they said that John Cleese narrates the movie, which is true in the extended version and slightly less true in the theatrical. And uh, 
and this is my favorite is I de- they do identify the the proper tension of the film which is the big part of the drama is keeping the fact that all three were doing a big year secret i love the fact that they're that they're not talking about this big goal of theirs that they all share and that they all see each other doing all the time and now they're like on these dangerous plane rides and they're like almost crashing into the ocean and shit (laughs) and that like each one is thinking about the other i don't know how dedicated you are to this or if you're as dedicated as me but i know that we're about to die here together (laughs) And so even if you're just doing it for the passion and not the numbers, that's cool too, man. Except for Owen Wilson, who has like no fear of uh, dying in these plane crashes. There is, there is something to the idea that the characters are constantly on these really dangerous flights and that man-made flight technology is very, you know, suspect and turbulent at all stages. Oh, which dude. is interesting in a film about, you know, birds yeah. Um, let's see. A birder takes his new wife to Atu and she expects it to be an exotic getaway, parenthesis, Oh, how many non-birding spouses have fallen for that one? <laughs> I have no idea because I don't know what the fuck that means. Scroll down. Oh my god. Uh, and then I think that's the last of the rumors. Never mind. Okay, fuck it. Yeah, the rest of it's just kind of basic information about the movie. Dude, I just want to mention that this blog is full of like candid I'm in a bush right now with the camera. Yeah. Stills. Like they're taking pictures of Owen Wilson, Steve well, Martin, Jack Black. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's probably uh, film. I think that may just be making of stuff. Well, look at yeah, that's that that seems kind of like, unless the cinematography is all from behind a bush. The, the, those two down there might be that one is probably just an onset kind of creep dude, shot. Yeah, like that. That one's an onset creep shot, dude. Yeah. Dude, how did you uncover this? Uh, this, I mean, you just uh, <laughs> you don't have to reveal your sources. It's, it's, there's no really trick to it. You probably had your own henchman. There's no trick to it. I, I were you the henchman? I googled CGI hummingbird the big year. I was trying to find out like how much of the hummingbird stuff, if any of it, was real, and who did the CGI for it. And I found no information about that. I only found these and these other links where it's birders discussing this movie because hey believe it or not there's not exactly a shitload of people <laughs> writing about the big year the, 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 you're, you're you're limited in what you can find and so a lot of it is from a decade ago from the birder community now as somebody who uh, you know has written f- about horror films for a while yeah how cool would it be to have such a tiny community that like you put up something about a movie and 50 people come to you right? yeah. and they're just like, Hey, I read it because you know, we're the community but that, you know, that's one of the problems with the horror thing is it's so broad and all over the place. I don't know. I, there's something well, about this that I find incredibly charming yeah. in like a, uh, cute info war kind of way. I'm not sure <laughs> info wars is cute. Uh, at all no but i just think the that bird the, watching. The, the, the bird watching thing too i don't think a lot of their blog posts get 50 comments i think oh. that that review is kind of a unique flashpoint for a lot of discourse and apparently self-promotion well, though it, i will be checking out those bird or murder mysteries are you <laughs> shitting dude me? you got to i can't believe i didn't think of googling that before and that that blog post there's at least 11 of them because i just found on amazon never murder a birder colon volume 11 whoa <laughs> Volume eleven, man. Yeah, that um, that blog post with fifty comments, uh, it did have a little bit of a Twitter energy behind it, like kind of unguided yeah. anger. Yeah, and I mean, it works. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Yeah, those birder comments are serving unguided anger, and honey, <laughs> it works. <laughs> hey, honey, want to go to Hawaii? Wink. 
We're gonna see the pink goose stepper. The pink pink footed goose. Oh, I'm, oh, dude, I'm gonna have birders coming after me. Yeah, dude. But honestly, I I like how nobody really appreciated that there was clear effort put into actually understanding at least. Yeah the birds they're looking for the big event, like mm. what people do, like there had the, to be the, the ethos of it, I think is like sufficiently respected. Yeah. And the quirkiness of it though, despite that reviewer's fury, the quirkiness of it, I think was not dialed up quite enough. Like everybody was a little bit almost too, too, too down to earth. I think, I think there's, I think there's room for play still, but, Rand- I'm not a, but I'm not a birder. So I don't know. Randy, get away <laughs> from that window. Oh, God, he has binoculars. Dude, you've turned him into a birder. Oh, fuck yeah. That's good to know. Hey, you know what? Steve Martin pissed off birders 10 plus years ago with this film. Well, now he's pissing off the podcast community because he plays a podcaster in a show now. Oh, is that, oh. is that We're coming for you. Is that the Hulu thing? Yeah, it's actually a really good show. I like it quite yeah, a bit. I gotta, check, <laughs> I gotta check that out. I bet it's really good. Steve Martin is a fucking treasure. And you know, it's fun. It's him and Martin Short. It's fun. Oh, really? And Selena Gomez. God damn. <laughs> I can't tell if that's genuine or not. Uh, uh, Selena Gomez, I can give or take, but Martin Jordan C. Martin. Yeah, it sounds. Amazing. I put that in there for Russell. Okay, you yeah. know what? I am a huge fan of film portraying podcasters from Halloween, the Halloween, you know, the confusingly retitled yeah. sequel remake to the new Ghostbusters movie, where they have a character say. podcast. I heard about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ghost it really. I mean, you know, this is a highbrow high art content that needs to be taken seriously sure. and i'm really tired of fucking hollywood shitting all over us you know what oxana we, we need to get on our blog let's go <laughs> let's really like vent our anger there that's podcasters that? do not yeah that's uh, what twitter's for i don't like how they <laughs> changed his name to podcast how demeaning <laughs> this can only be because they decided not to put any effort into it <laughs> <laughs> There's one group of people that doesn't work hard at any stage. It's feature filmmakers. Dude, they're just allergic to effort. They, My God, they're making a fucking giant illusion that fucking tricks us 24 times a second. Minimum. And uh, they were punching down there because, you know, I made, yeah. a, I made a little, uh, I tried to connect the dots to bird watchers. My and girlfriend Info found Ward. a gun. Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, this is a couple days ago, but my girlfriend found it. I'm just she, she texted me just now, and uh, I just remember that she found a gun at work. Sorry. Oh right. <laughs> I feel like that was a veiled threat. So no, it's a it's a it's a veiled tease that maybe it'll solve a murder case. You know, because it was thrown in the fucking water, so they're gonna get. She found it in the water. Somebody else found it in the water and brought it to her. Because I guess it's fucking her job to deal with everyone's <laughs> shit. <laughs> I found some incriminating evidence. They're like, yeah, I found here. some evidence here. God damn. Here, here, here you go. I hope you make a lot of money and can deal with it. My girlfriend, I'm sure it's just like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Wait. Now, I, I made a note that you're going to talk about a movie. Did we ever Me? even hit that? Wait, which movie? Comedy. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um <laughs> where are we at on time? Where are we at on time? Randy's Randy. He's over I'm good. He's watching. I'm not doing anything. I want, I want, I, give me a number. Um a little less than two forty five. We still have like almost an hour left. We we have to go an okay. hour. So uh, uh, yeah, I came on here to talk about a cat, damn it. Um <laughs> You got you got wrapped up in the bird dog. I got wrapped up in birds, but now we're in like the you know, bird to cat trajectory here. 
Uh, we're the early here, here, cat let me help catching you the bird. So I was reading a comic from the nineties. <laughs> it's called Poison Elves. Now I had never seen it before. Mm-hmm. It's doing. It's got all the things I hate about nineties comics, where it's kind of like it's a fantasy story. So they're going Tolkien, except that the elves are edgy. Like the main character is named Lucifer, <laughs> but it's spelled <laughs> no, different. Rules. And uh, there are guns involved, and he's kind of like the anti superhero. Okay, so he swears and. Um, I, I read volume three, which I thought was great, yeah. but in it, uh, there's a duel that happens that's very Death Note, where they're like, oh, we're playing chess, and I'm trying to beat you. I'm trying to stay ahead of you. Mm. And the wizard decides that if he used magic, okay. he would just decimate this low, uh, non, um, he, he's low class elf. He's not a high elf. Sure. And this high elf mage is like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to fight you because you kill me. So I'm going to give you the ability to change into any animal you want. So he cast a spell. Oh, on hell yeah. He said, now you're, you have to run through that gate. So there's a passage called Jeez. murders pass. How long is the? How long is the? It's running? a, I, the, mm, I'm it's, getting tired already. I know I'm, I'll that, get but. through it now. No, just like the thing about running. Oh, the running. I, I, I don't like, like running. So he, I don't like running either. That's why I've been doing kettlebell work. There you go. We'll, we'll do that for the next hour. <laughs> um, and he, he says, just think about it. He said, warns them. Don't think about anything that's mindless because you might not come back. That's a good point. So he thinks Sparrow. And he's like, oh, what? Are you scared? Just take flight. Don't think too hard because you're not going to know how to fly. Yeah. Let nature take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, meow. And he says that to the guy and then kicks him off the ledge because ah. they're up on a cliff. <laughs> There you go. Cats and birds. Look okay. at that seamless transition. <laughs> um, so I watched uh, a movie with a kitty cat in it. It also has Vincent Price. Like, what, what? it's December and I'm still like, like stuck in a loop of watching like movies as if it were like Halloween time. Um, Good. Join the club. <laughs> it's called Comedy of Terrors. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those comedies that isn't very funny. <laughs> and i think part part of the problem is that like it's a like early 60s widescreen comedy from a director jacques turner who is is very good at more like kind of square ratios and more like moody drama stuff and uh vincent price is just this like boozing uh like funeral guy who's like funeral <laughs> his funeral service the, the joke is that they only have one coffin and so like every time they bury someone he like bullies peter laurie into helping him undig the thing so that they can take their coffin back and use it the next time and i'm like Whoa. just sell the fucker just sell just sell the coffin at an exorbitant price and then buy a bunch of cheap ones and then sell those at exorbitant prices what is this like you're putting so much fucking effort into it anyway um and but so Winston Price is there he's mean to Peter Lorre he's bullying him all the time and saying like I don't respect you do my work for me and then Vincent Price's um wife is also not receiving a lot of respect from Vincent Price he's he goes like ah nobody likes you especially not me or my assistant Peter Lorre he's not in love with you secretly and then you're going to wind up happy together when you kill me at the end <laughs> <laughs> And there's, there's also, uh, like Boris Karloff plays, uh, Vincent Price's father-in-law, who's very sickly, gives Boris Karloff, who had had like a a number of ailments and back problems at the time, a role that gives him an ability to be kind of cartoonish as kind of a a doddering old man, but also not extremely mobile. He doesn't have to do a lot of moving around because again, it kind of at this stage in his life hurts him to be too active. Um, 
it's also, it's also like has a really prestigious writer. Richard Matheson wrote this, wrote this flick who I'm sure all your genre heads out there know stuff about. I don't particularly. <laughs> I'm again, he's not a real housewife. So I know very little about his activities in history. Wrote just 3d. Well, I mean, come on, man. And the Omega Man. There you go. Yeah, there, okay. yeah. <laughs> come on. Man. He, he wrote, fuck you. Come on. You got to lead with Jaws. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Um, uh, and then there's a cat in the movie too. And the cat actually is probably like pound for pound has the best film career of the cast. This cat um, kind of made its iconic debut in Rhubarb, the Millionaire Cat, back when this cat was known as Orangey. Um, uh, trained by a uh, legendary animal trainer, Frank N, uh, who worked very closely with the guy who uh, trained the original Lassie. Frank N, you, you may know his work from uh, Benji, uh, from just like a host of things. We'll go down the Frank N hole in a second here after I get through the line of like rhubarb slash orangey. Legendary cat actor from The Incredible Shrinking Man, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Comedy of Terrors, this film, uh, Rhubarb, uh, like a host of classic TV titles and shit. Dick Van Dyke, The yeah. Outer Limits. Outer Limits. Dude, this cat's got creds, This dude. cat's credits are astonishing. Assuming it's not, uh, you know, several dozen cats just kind of being cycled in and out under this name. Um, and so can we get the, we're on, we're on YouTube at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So for you at home who uh, are listening to this audio, just go to YouTube, the <laughs> search bar, and type in Frank in. That's I-N-N, Animal Trainer. Oh, no. And then in a separate tab, um, like, uh, type into, like, Google Image Search. Just search, like, Silly Sea Captain. <laughs> and then just kind of click back and forth between the results. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, t- like t- tell, me oh, you yeah. tell me you wouldn't watch that guy in a, in a Talking Head documentary that was just that. Look at that hat. He looks not like even, the, I, I don't have him in front of me at all. I'm just imagining him in my memory, in my brain, and I'm like, I'm already feeling delighted. He looks like uh, the character from Gilligan's Island, the skipper, <laughs> like who he was based on. <laughs> yeah. Like a way quirkier, yeah, yeah, yeah. real guy. Yes. Yeah, it's just like the guy who's like, oh, you can't put that on television. Yeah. Like, we need That's to dumb real. this down. <laughs> yeah, shave the edges off of this skipper so that he can be someone that the audience won't be afraid of. <laughs> um. But I, I watched that one. I didn't really have anything to say about the movie itself, except that the cat in it is really good. And that the end of the movie is just the cat walking around, kind of jumps in a coffin. And then the coffin almost closes on the cat. And the cat jumps out. Safe. Dude, the cat was in The Flying Nun, which you mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. Batman, yeah. Mission Impossible. Yes, yes, it was one of one of Catwoman's cats. Dude, it's this Original cat. Mission Impossible TV series. I, yeah. I mean, uh, we should have a challenge to find a more famous cat. Although this cat was in a movie called Shortcut to Hell, uncredited. So I wonder if it was doing our favorite trope from earlier, just running out of a closet. Oh, I hope so, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Whoa, a professional hitman is hired by a friend to commit two murders. His friend pays him off in what turns out to be stolen money, and the police soon trace the money to him. On the run, he kidnaps the girlfriend of the police detective in charge of his pursuit and threatens to kill her unless he calls off the hunt. And at some point, at some Orangey point, shows up. At some up. point, there's a cat. <laughs> now, you could probably go to cinemacats.com and look up that title and find exactly where the cat hangs out in that movie. Um, for those of you who are into cats and into movies and you don't already know about Cinema Cats, it's like one of the most exhaustive movie review niche blogs where it really kind of hammers down where and how cats appear in pretty much every film. 
Um, they have a hardworking staff, tons of titles, and the reviews are centered only on the parts of the movie in which the cat appears. <laughs> so the review of Alien is just like a few pictures of Jonesy. Jonesy? And it's just like, <laughs> in, in Alien, uh, Jonesy does this and that. And it's just like, and that's their take on Alien. Do they ever go like deep theory into like what the cat represents or anything? Perhaps on their podcast. I don't They think, have a podcast? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much they do in terms of theory dives. You're blowing the site. my fucking But mind. the people who run the site do have backgrounds in film studies. Like they're not, they're not just doing this. Um, it's like a joke. Or like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's not, there's not. A Dude, vibe. I don't get a joke vibe from this at no. all. It's got one of the most charming uh, rotating banners I've ever seen. They never, and they never fucking miss with their, with their features. Uh, they have these things called purr blurs, which is when, <laughs> which is when a cat is like a very minor part of a scene. Like they really go um, like minuscule in what level of appearance a cat has to make in order to be considered in a film and therefore the center of the film. Dude, I wonder what they wrote about a talking cat. I don't, I mean, yeah, it was probably something really sassy. Like, yeah, I, I like, Oh, maybe this cat shouldn't talk because this, it's just a bunch of voicemails from the guy. Man, <laughs> didn't even get him in a booth. You know, <laughs> seems they like a, they, they just have got... a horror section too. Damn. Yeah. yeah. You, dude, they're, they're I thought, great on Twitter too. They're always tweeting gifs and shit. Really? Also, just, I'm just saying you get you, yeah, you guys could step up your game, be a little more like cinema cats, dude. If Focus we, more on cats. I it, thought that there was a website called Horror Cats or or, but I can't find it, so I don't know what what I was looking. Fever at. Dream, defunct website. She was done wine. But I also it looked like it didn't like updated very much. Well, I I oh, yeah. know. Does the dog die? And and that's another incredible resource. Um, I recently stopped watching Pig. Um. Because I was checking, does the dog die too late? Like after I'd already hit play on Pig, really? The Nick Cage Pig movie. Are you, are you one of the does the dog die people? Uh, more, more so now. But yeah. Um, so okay, yeah. does the dog die is a website I, we've talked about it on here before, where you just look up a movie and if there's a dog in it, it will tell you if there's if it dies, but also the level of violence that it may be a part of and it's just a it just has a bunch of different things that could be upsetting to yeah. people who are generally upset by uh the notion of you know different 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 abuses or or violence or shocking scenarios they have categories for is there a jump scare does a dragon die really which is my new favorite one um because I, Wait, I, are you joking i'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking about the <laughs> idea that they have that category or that I, I tweeted out recently just like the list of movies in which a dragon does not die <laughs> and i'm like this is my list these are all the best movies dude that's a more angering list why wouldn't why wouldn't the dragon die they're normally an antagonist and a lot of them is just like the explanation option will just be like dragons are not in this world or there are no dragons seen it's like yeah in, in the movie clue okay no dragon dies in the movie clue because it's just set in a mansion there are just like eight character actors oh, wait, no and it's list okay no now every, you're joking almost, no every, almost every movie is listed i saw the tweet of the list and i was very confused there you go See, that's how I like oh to tweet. My God. Also, um, I don't know if Charlie wants me to do this, but shout out to you and your Twitter because you got a little healthy follow in there. That's that's all old stuff, though. They're, those are just like residual followers from back when I was tweeting under. I was pretending to be a, a robotic parody of a, um, a dog ear medicine uh, <laughs> account. <laughs> No, I, I believe you here. Yeah, I, I, the, <laughs> the dog ear medicine account would like always tweet like, "Woof, are your dog's ears 
itchy, do this or that, buy my shit. And it, it, that account got a big following because its tweets were very absurd. And this was an early ish Twitter, like 2009. Yeah. And so the idea of, you know, this burgeoning like platform for, for micro fiction and, and uh, status updates, like also <laughs> just had these kind of like charmingly atrocious automated feeds. And so I made, I made kind of a parody account of that. And then at some point you decided it's time to hang up the hat. Yeah. And what do you do now? Uh, every five or six days I'll tweet like, uh, eating breakfast. (laughs) 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 Like I'm not, I'm not active on Twitter really. No, dude, you're not starting a fight with that, uh, shrimp Twitch stream. No, recently I was trying to get, cause we had talked about it the last time about this, the shrimp channel and I was going to go in there and get banned the other day, mm-hmm. but they restricted their chat even more recently. They do this sometimes yeah. just temporarily and it was to subscriber only. So I would have had to spend money to chat. Oh yeah. Because on Twitch you can follow subs- for free and then subscribe but, for a fee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you got Amazon Prime? You could throw them the free one. My Prime subscription is already used on a different Twitch streamer. Uh, my girlfriend and I watch a lot of of Twitch content, yeah. actually. Um, and uh, so, no, uh, okay, we're, we're both subscribed to a couple of drag artists on there um, because that that community. Oh, it's thriving. Very, yeah, it's, it's very it's very thriving. It's very happening. And uh, Ooh, give him a shout out. Um, oh gosh, um, shout out to. Um, Queen Pib, shout out to Evidius515, shout out to Queen Nikki Mirage, shout oh, out to Deer. Um, I'm gonna be missing so many. Damn, shout how many are you subscribed to? I'm not subscribed to, I'm subscribed to like one of them, and it just changes whenever, whichever one my yeah. girlfriend like doesn't want to subscribe to or whatever. Shout out to the rest of the Gorals, shout out to the rest of the Stream Queens. Uh, there's too many to, too many to list. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. No. Okay. Now, briefly. Yeah. Uh, Twitch. I can only watch. Oh, shout out to Inertia. Uh, shout out to Chalora. And with Twitch, I can only yeah. watch it when it's live. Do you actually go back and watch uh, previously uploaded? Yeah. No. I don't either. No, I do mostly the live thing. Yeah. Uh, the only previous broadcast things would be like uh, there are some wilderness cams or wildlife cams. Oh yeah. And sometimes one of those will show up as like a clip and it'll be like, Oh, this interesting event happened here and it's been isolated as like a 30 second clip or whatever. Yeah. It'll go back and do that. But like a full broadcast now, no, it's, it's, it's more interesting as a live thing. Yeah. The live feed, even on like YouTube or anything, I can't start it from the beginning. Yeah. I, I got to jump in. I'd rather jump in halfway live than at any point pre-recorded for sure i don't there's something about it yeah it's it's uh yeah there's something uh like really kind of troubling about the the parasocial um like financial is finance shit going on with with twitch as a homogenized content uh like distributor. I don't think I realized until like relatively recently, like in the past few months, what exactly the style guide is from Twitch itself as like a stand in for a studio. Oh yeah. There there's, there's more rigidity in like the path to, to, to monetization there. Well, it's Um, sad because you know, it's a good market to be in to kind of feed off of people who are trying to become famous. Shout out to donut King. 
Um, anti shout out to uh, <laughs> who am I going to trash? I want to trash one of the Twitch people. Oh, anti shout out to the guy who used to stream seasons of Survivor and comment over them, but now does this weird thing where you have to like watch it live with Amazon Prime at the same time, and so I have to like do all this different clicking, and then like it doesn't <laughs> sync up, <laughs> and and I'm just like I just want to hear you say like. Huh, I don't trust him. Whenever that character shows up, that's all I want to have happen, man. But it's too much, too much technology now. Now, is that real? That's real. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> they don't pull him? He's showing tw- like survivor streams? They don't I, pull think, him I think that's why he switched his methodologies was because he was more in danger of being pulled when he was actually showing the show video yeah. with him in front of it. I don't think that was... I think he, somebody must have like you know marked him for for getting that taken down. Fuck. You've got so, God damn it. I'm so there's happy a, there's you're a, on There's here. a new cut of Showgirls that you guys should check out. This is like a callback to like two hours ago. Hell yeah. Um, it's Showgirls Redux. I think it's on Vimeo. Um, it's, um, it cuts about 20 minutes out of Showgirls and it replaces the score with um, music from David Lynch movies. Okay. So there's a lot of Rammstein, especially for like the dance sequences. And uh, like a bit of the Mulholland Drive score is in there, some Twin Peaks and stuff. Um, it kind of, if for people who are like, oh, it kind of works on both ends. For people who are skeptical of Showgirls' quality, it kind of crystallizes the Verhovian, like, you know, nasty little All About Eve remake yeah. of it. Yeah. And for people who are already into Showgirls, uh, it is kind of like a, a another fresh fresh way to to approach and... And and love it and not feel like you're like uh, I guess a self conscious hack for still enjoying Showgirls even though it's <laughs> I guess a cliche amongst the Verhoeven devotees to like it, which I didn't know. But yeah, yeah, I googled it, popped right up. It's on Vimeo. Like what are they like? Are they like are people like in Hollow Man screenings now? Is that the new hip Verhoeven? Oh, What's the hip Verhoeven? Dude, we could do Hollow Man because the gorilla thing's really upsetting. The way they they fuck up that like when the gorilla doesn't have any skin. In Hollow Man? Right. I don't remember that. There's a bunch of gorillas. Yeah, I remember all the upsetting rape in that movie. Oh, that's, that's so yeah. we're talking that's to Kevin Bacon, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a gorilla? Mm-hmm. A big old gorilla. You guys want to do an Animorphs podcast with me? <laughs> <laughs> I own an Animorphs book. book. Series? The book series. I own one. I have them all in digital format be through through honest, legitimate means. K A <laughs> Applegate. Don't you come for me. Well, you keep bringing books in. I, when I find that Animorph book, I'm going to give it to you. Thank you. I'm the, I, I was I was at my home recently, and I was trying to find this one Animorphs book where, like, they they have a fucking betrayer Animorph, and they have to like fucking silence him, or else he's going to blow their whole gorilla army operation. <laughs> and uh, oh, they really jumped the shark, and, huh? This, I mean, this is like the apex, I think, of, <laughs> of, of them being little like moody renegades and shit. Dude, Apex Animorph, that's the name of the podcast. It's apex Animorph, my God. There are a couple of good Animorphs podcasts, I'm sure. Somebody's already covering it, I know. I can feel it in my bones. No, you somebody's can't. Out there. Randy had some buddies that he plugged on here that were doing a Star Wars podcast. Ooh, oh, shit. And what the hell happened? Oh, yeah. They did. That, I don't know. I haven't. I honestly only listened to it like twice because I'm not a big uh, what's the name Star What's the name Star Wars Rebels fan. I like R two D two. Yeah, it was like a Star Wars Rebels, like the animation show. Oh, never mind. I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but uh, I don't yeah. know if they do it anymore. I, just, I can like I always think to myself like, man, I think I may like Star Wars uh, more than I want to like Star Wars. 
because I like six of the Star Wars movies, right? Yeah. Uh, George Lucas was involved with them and shit. And then, but then like, apparently there's all these comics and there's books and there's cartoons and, and, and Disney's doing all the Star Wars stuff. And I know literally nothing about any of that. So I know more than I want to about Star Wars, I mm-hmm. think, but I also feel like I know absolutely nothing about Star Wars. No Mandalorian. I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a fucking Island. No, uh, no, no baby Yoda. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> donut, donut, donut King has like a Damn. my favorite donut baker streamer has a big baby Yoda decoration in his donut shop, and I'm just like, okay, uh, sure, well, it, it looks cute. It looks cute there. He lost you there, at baby. No, Yoda. it looks cute. Fine, it's there. Uh, big eyes and shit. Man, we used to have good baby Yoda clips. I don't. I don't think you did. Uh, I don't think you had good baby Yoda clips. Here we go. I don't think that's a daring clip. him. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. He's not even a real baby. <laughs> well, oh, that's pretty good. Here you go. I hate being yellow! <laughs> Here you go. He's like 43. Motherfucker doesn't pay taxes. <laughs> there you go. Those are all my baby Yoda clips. <laughs> I like that that middle that middle one really uh, gets to the meat of it. Uh, just an exasperated scream at how much you, you hate the the fictional baby or whatever that one's really cool that's the bird blogger guy i guess right there that was the pinnacle of our uh soundboard so shout out to all you people who enjoyed it when we were doing is the door creaking not part of the soundboard when creepy clark comes and goes uh no that is right over there in the closet we covered it up so we couldn't get out oh no i see it now okay oh jesus christ yeah they really fucked i had to speed up that clip because they were mad at me how long it took in the original (laughs) yeah Remember that, Randy? It's crazy that the curtain still. I don't actually know. Blood. Yeah, Randy vetoed it. He was like, "No, it's too long." So I went in there. And I figured you just got a new one. No, I sped it up. <laughs> you slow that fucker down. Now, now this door creaky sound is has slowed down with some reverb. It's getting vaporwave door creaking. Okay. <laughs> Real, about thirty five percent slower. So what do you got? You got more? Uh, yeah, sure. I feel like hell yeah. Wait, He's wait. got pages, Randy. Look, Randy just looked at the time. <laughs> what, what, what are we at, Randy? Just three hours. <laughs> three out. Wait, we got three hours though. Yeah, that's upsetting enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do we do the social media plugs on here again? Oh, that's a good we question. Don't. Producers, uh, <laughs> uh, you can you can find uh, the Overlook Hour on Twitter at at the overlook hour you can find it on a number of other platforms if you just go to your search engine and search overlook hour you know it pops up man it's on the web uh various platforms um just a reminder um a five submissions as i said at the top still open if you have any sort of found footage pov screen life tech horror film please submit it make these people watch it uh, the Balboa is a great place for these films to be screened. You get uh, a community of people there who are really into your genre, who are really there to support and love what you created. Um, so go ahead and submit your shit. Uh, there's still a lot of time. I'll give you a little um, trick as to remembering the deadline for um, a five. If we're talking about the next movie in the orphan franchise, on this show, okay. <laughs> you may be a little bit too late to submit on time. I think it's like, because your deadline's at the end of January. Yeah. And then the Orphan prequel. Is it, I, I, don't <laughs> I don't know if it's a prequel or a sequel. There's a new Orphan movie coming yeah, out on I January heard. 28th. Oh, my God. 
So go to filmfreeway.com slash unnamed footage festival. And the latest you can do so and still be considered on time is right after you get out of your midnight showing of, <laughs> of orphan two colon adoption protocol. Uh, th- this has been uh, me and everyone else at the overlook hour. It's a podcast. This is how it ends. If you're interested in the endings of podcasts, man, this is the sequence and segment for you. There's no more podcast after I'm done saying these words, semicolon. <laughs> <laughs> done.